Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Five Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The pass to Abuka for eight. Another throw by Stroud, looking for a lot more than eight. He's got a lot more than eight. Touchdown, Marvin Harrison Jr. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. Mitchell to throw right on cue. He is dumped. Jared Verse arrives in the ACC. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance. Protecting Texans since 1952. And around to neighbors. As a crease. Malik Neighbors down the sideline. Stays in bounds with a cutback. House call. Another LSU touchdown. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. And here we go. It is Tuesday, May the 2nd. And it seemed like about every other week there's something to celebrate, especially when you're 64 years old like I am. The cookie cake from Craig Smoke. And also the card and a gift card as well. Uh, Thank you very much, Craig. Love you. And Paul, everybody here, we appreciate everybody. 64 today, May 2nd, 1959. And I got something to show you that Paul and Amanda gave me here in just a second. But we've got a couple of things to get to, including uh, some notes on Notre Dame's, not yet, but Notre Dame's uh, ratings game by game last year. And also uh, the top 10 most watched games in college football We will have that in just a second. But, again, thank you very much. I'm going to get in the chat room in just a second. 64 years old, born in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, off at Air Force Base when my dad was stationed at uh, at, uh, Strategic Air Command where they had a bunch of bombers, and uh, we appreciate that. Thank you to everybody who is involved in this. Emery Winter, Jack McKenzie, and also Garrett Ross. Craig, thank you so much. Yeah, happy birthday, and, um, yeah, it's good to – have you here for another 
birthday and hopefully many more and be careful because that's going to slide off the table and it will all be for naught. Um, but yeah, that's a, it's a good looking cookie cake. And that's, that's one of those things you can't really go wrong with those, uh, from great American cookie. Co- we really need them as an advertiser. <laughs> I mean, we, yeah, we, buy we get it. like 10 cakes from them a year. I feel like so. Uh, yeah, went back to the well. Didn't have enough candles. Uh, they didn't have the right number candles, <laughs> as far as like the six you know, and a four. The, yeah, they didn't have uh, the four, I think. Um, but got like a third of them there. Uh, didn't have time to get the rest, and we don't want to burn this place down. So yeah. So how, I'm, you, how I, many do you think there are, Paul? Like forty? Um, not even. No, 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 not okay. that. Probably in the twenties. I I don't like. I don't know what the fire code is specifically. You know what we're allowed to do. You know as far as open flame. So it's probably going to be the line it. Emery lit yours up. Remember? Yeah. When yeah. He brought it over here. But yeah. I think it was like what was it? A four and a question mark. Yeah, or four and a like question that. mark. So when they had two actual open flames here, you know, um, we can start a bonfire outside. Yes. Yeah. We you know we might need to. <laughs> Hey, a couple of the guests that we have today, Newey Scruggs from NBC TV and five uh, at five up in Dallas and Fort Worth will join us. His thoughts about the Big Twelve Conference and also the Cowboys after the draft. Also, David Ubbin from theAthletic.com. He and Ari Wasserman had an updated story. Remember last week we told you about how teams had cultivated or not three stars, four stars, and five stars. Well, through the weekend they've updated that yet again. We'll have some notes on the Big Twelve teams. David at four. John McClain, 5.30. Craig's off the radar today at 4.45. And also Paul Catalina. What is it today, Paul? Top five? Uh, it's going to be top five reasons this is the worst time to negotiate a TV deal. Well, okay, there's probably a I, – I, I think I can guess a couple of them. So here we are. And thank you for joining us today on 365 Sports. Here's a note about the SEC. You know, you can talk about whatever you want. Uh, the, the Big 12, Pac-12, and ACC all had a pretty good number. But then there was the SEC, and then there was the Big Ten. I did not realize this. I I know how dominant they've been really since about, what, the early to mid-2000s, which has been about 17 years. 17 consecutive years they've had more players drafted than any conference in America. There wasn't like a jump from one conference to another. And this is during, in the 2000s, the Big 12 had some pretty good teams uh, including Texas and Oklahoma, were both uh, fighting to win the title and also the championship. Uh, Baylor had a, a pretty good run, of course, starting in 2010 with a rush. Nebraska was still a part of the conference, among others. But that is an, that is an absolutely amazing stat. The national titles, the numbers, and then that one, too, with how many have been drafted 17 consecutive years. You know, like, it would be interesting to, like, go back and, like, kind of do a timeline of things that happened that kind of helped that the SEC events around the country that kind of happened that the SEC capitalized on. I think they, before everybody else, really capitalized on on social media really well. One of the things that Urban Meyer did at Florida that the other coaches in the you know that he was competing against while he was there weren't doing was he was like reaching out to kids on Twitter and Facebook. And so much to the point where they had to make a rule about it because there wasn't one. But, you know, at the time when he got the job at Florida, you know, Bobby Bowden was at Florida State. You think Bobby Bowden never, like, knew, like, got on a cell phone yeah. and, and sent a tweet? No, he never did. He was an older coach. So they had some young coaches, younger coaches at the time, who kind of got out in front of everything. Then they just started winning and winning and winning, and they really capitalized on who they were and – you know, kind of looking around and seeing the other things that were going on, they kind of came together before everyone else did outwardly. Uh, and, 
and really rolled on with it. So for for whatever you may feel about the whole depth of the SEC, they've done the best job of running their league for 20 years now of anybody, and it's because they figured a lot of stuff out before everyone else got on board. Yeah, they were they were ahead of the curve. I think they've had some you know good coaching choices as well. Uh, I think the marketing uh, has been uh, you know exceptional. I think the propaganda, and I don't mean that in a negative way, uh, was you know a how to on how to make your conference the the king of all conferences. I mean, ESPN had a lot to do with that in their coverage of the SEC. And let's not you know act like there wasn't this pivot uh, in the mid two thousands to where all of a sudden. I, I grew up, I don't think I heard about the SEC ever. Like, I mean, as far as, like, outside of a game, and I know there weren't as many talk shows back then or whatever, but it was not a talking point. If anything, the Big 12, you know, or... The Big 8. The yeah. Big 8 prior to that Pac were 12 with talked the- about that way, or the Pac-12, but it wasn't an SEC thing. And then about the mid-2000s, it did. Once LSU beat Oklahoma and kind of got the ball rolling, and then here comes Saban in Alabama, and, you know, and then everybody started the Florida, Tebow... Urban Meyer, that whole crew uh, left their impact. And then Alabama again. And, you know, then you had little just, you know, jumps in there from an Auburn or an LSU uh, who, I again, said kill, uh, kicked it off with uh, the win over Oklahoma when they weren't expected to win that game. But, you know, got, got a home game basically and got a Sooners team that was being talked about like they were the greatest of all time and, you know, went and put it on them and, you know, won a, won a big game, and that just really set off the chain of events. I, I wonder, you know, if one little thing happens early on, like that, they don't win that game, for example, Oklahoma wins it instead. Is is history dramatically different? Is, is everything still go the same way? I don't know, but they kicked it off, and, and it's it, who could have ever had predicted, no matter if you're one of the brains behind the scenes that, you know, the mad scientist that cooked a lot of this up, mm-hmm. even still you couldn't have predicted it would turn into what it turned into. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it helps also to have 14 teams. That's one thing. You don't see a lot of qualifications now. Granted, you could give four teams to other conferences, and they still wouldn't be within, like, 30 of the SEC. But they do have 14 teams, so that adds on to the total. They're about to have 16. Oklahoma and Texas would have added another 10 picks this year. Um, and I don't know what the average will, will technically be, but – it's awfully impressive, and it's impressive, too, when, you know, it does help to have two teams right there at the top who are putting 10 guys apiece in the NFL draft. They don't have just one team putting 10 guys in one draft. They have two teams putting 20 guys total, two teams putting 20 players in the draft all by their lonesome, not to mention 12 other schools that contribute to that in some way, form, or fashion. So, they, I mean, they've... They've got the full meal deal from top to bottom. Great coaching, great players, but they've also got a couple dynasties they're in the midst of as well. And yeah, it's just uh, it's been it's been exceptionally impressive to to see how that's all been built up over and time. It's, and it's different positions. It's not like where uh, some schools or conferences might have maybe some do- defensive backs or wide receivers, running backs or quarterbacks. Where they absolutely clean up is the depth of greatness. And it's true, or at least elite play at the defensive line position. That's where and Dave Aranda said that, that the defensive linemen in the SEC is just a different, I guess you could say, breed of type player, different cat, so to speak, uh, where they just go. And, and so that also adds to it. It's not just that they have a bunch of this or that. They have a bunch of everything. But that's a note. That, that surprised me. And some people are tired of hearing it. But there's truth. And there's a fact. It's 17 consecutive years 
they've had the most players drafted in the NFL consecutively. Now, the Big Ten had more after round two, I believe. Yeah, they had a, a great run. Margin. Yeah. Uh, they had a good start, but they couldn't quite close it out. They ended up about seven short. Um, and then the Big 12 was was well behind that. I was having a comp- – I mean, you go from SEC had 62, Big Ten had 55, but they, they had more after round two, which I think you'd almost like take that as a minor win because that means you had more guys in the top, you know, top couple rounds. Spread and, out, yeah. Um, but then, you know, huge drop-off to the ACC. 25, or no, excuse me, 23 less players going from second place to third place. And then there's the Big 12 right there, two back of, of ACC at 30, Pac-12, three back at uh, of the Big 12 at 27. And I was having a conversation with Grace on the podcast today, and I, I kind of understand where he's coming from. We were talking about the draft. He's talking about, you know, the Big 12 needs to produce more, and they need to, you know, close the gap with the SEC and the Big 10 and – and I told him, I said, well, you know that the Big 12 had like the best first round they've had in uh, since Oklahoma, uh, since uh, Nebraska and Colorado and Missouri and A&M were all in the conference. Since 2011, that was the best first round the Big 12 has had in over 10 years. Uh, so I definitely don't want to like use this year as the year to like poo-poo on them because if anything, we should celebrate. Like mm-hmm. they, they got shut out two years in a row in the first round. They had mm-hmm. six this year. Um, but as far as catching up, that, I had to tell him, and I said, to, those days are over, buddy. Like, that's not ever going to happen. That is never going to happen unless the Big 12 in, like, 20 years adds about another eight teams and, like, five of them all start putting, like, five apiece in there. And even still, I don't know well, if that'll play catch it, up. So th- those days of it not being the SEC or the Big Ten, for that matter, I don't know that we'll ever see that again, uh, just the way the, the world's working the, now. Those two leagues are going to have 16 teams. So even on a bad year, you're going to get – you're probably right. going to get seven from yeah. each league. If they had re- the worst down year in their conferences you could possibly imagine, you're probably going to randomly get seven or eight, right, in first the first round. round. In first-rounders. Yeah. You're going to get seven or eight first-rounders on the worst year you can possibly imagine. Yep. So because you have 16 teams, you're ahead of everybody else. The Big 12 is only going to have 12. The Pac-12. The pack- is only going to have 10, you know, so those conferences to have a year where they have the most player players drafted, not only first round draft picks, players drafted is going to have to be just stacked teams. But that, and, and by the way, the big 10 and the sec are about to add four schools that have produced NFL talent with Texas. OU. no matter the stretch that Texas had in the first round, they've still produced players. And then USC and UCLA, they have fed the NFL themselves. All right. So good stuff. Uh, And appreciate that note. I saw that uh, today in the, uh, in the athletic.com. Now, yesterday we were discussing Notre Dame and their popularity. And we can say, uh, whether or not if they want truly $75 million for their next TV deal with NBC, if whatever they get, they're trying to get as much because right now we know what the Big Ten and also the SEC are getting, and then there's the Pac-12, Big 12, and ACC where they are in no particular order. Here is a look at the top ten games. that or Here are the, the, the games they played last year in college football. The top ten – Garrett, back – the top 10 most watched games in college football. Now, we've discussed some of these when Craig used to do off the radar uh, consistently during football season. There's the Michigan-Ohio State game, not a surprise. Huge, two huge schools and huge importance in that game. Tennessee-Georgia, big-time game. Alabama-Tennessee, LSU-Georgia in the championship. Then Purdue-Michigan in the Big Ten championship game. 
Alabama, Texas to kick off the year. Purdue's not the sexiest opponent there, but there was a playoff spot. Yep, right, that's on exactly this. right. Yeah. Yeah, Alabama, Texas to kick off the year in week two, which was a monstrous game and a great game. Notre Dame, Ohio State. There's Notre Dame with the seventh highest single game. Now Ohio State's been mentioned now twice in there. Also, then you have K-State, TCU in the Big 12 championship game. Everybody tuned in. Is TCU going to do this? Playoff spot. Playoff spot. Kansas State, great story. Two very small schools compared to everybody else, but it was number eight, Alabama Ole Miss, and then Ohio State again for the third time in this list against Penn State, two Blue Bloods who played at number 10. Those are all the top 10 most watched games in college football, and Notre Dame is at number seven against Ohio State. But what's the last number on there, the last uh, overall number eight? Now, go to Notre Dame game by game. This did not include the game with Marshall, which I believe was streamed on Peacock. But you look at the numbers. The Boston College game is down. But look at the one at the very end in USC. 6.68 million. Two teams, two blue bloods, and a lot riding on that game with Caleb Williams and USC, and then, of course, Notre Dame, too. So they're, they're healthy, all across the board, healthy. Now, it was the game with Ohio State and the game with USC, but there is their week-in and week-out numbers from 2022 per Sports Media Watch, and thanks to Jim Williams for sending that information my way. Yeah, I mean, I don't really, I'm not really surprised by any of that. I mean, I think, um, you know, the – the Big Ten and the SEC are obviously, you know, reaching a, a, a sort of a different level, and that's probably what those year-end rankings are going to look like more often than not. I don't know with an expanded playoff, but maybe that puts more eyeballs on some other late-season games for other conferences that otherwise might not be there because now you have more teams that are potentially playing to get a spot, right? So maybe that puts more eyeballs on the the Pac-12 or the ACC championship game or Big 12 or whoever uh, that otherwise in most years wouldn't even be involved. But now they're looking for like the the guaranteed spot and the, the ninth spot potentially. And so, yeah, now you got more people from across the country that are watching. As far as our conversation yesterday about Notre Dame goes, I, I, I won't for one second pretend they're not a draw. My only thing was I just don't think that the mystique that people talk about, like, oh, bow down, it's Notre Dame. I don't think that that's as, as existent as it used to be. But by no means does that mean that I was anyway inferring, nor that, or you accused me of that, but it, nor was I in any way inferring that they don't have, still have a massive fan base that's going to draw massive ratings and make massive amounts of money. Like, that's never changing. They got a, the whole, you know, world behind them. But um, in terms of just the, the mystique, yeah, I, I don't think that that's as, as much as it was, but they're still a massive brand. I think the draw for NBC to keep going back is not just the the brand. It's that you saw those numbers. They are remarkably consistent. Yep. So it's not even the fact that, like, okay, you could say Notre Dame, you know, go off to the to whatever you want. We're going to go somewhere else, but – because of the way that everybody else's rights are divided up, there's very few things that you're going to guarantee are going to be that consistent. So networks like what they know is consistent. Okay, this is going to be two to three million a week, and we're going to have a couple games that might be seven million, and that's good. And you'll take a lump on 
Boston College, because that wasn't Notre Dame's fault. That was Boston College's fault. Dude, it was towards the end of the year, they were really bad, you know. And by the way, like, that'll be a lower number for them, but that's still better than majority of the country every exactly. week. Like, you know, not everybody hits a million that easily. So that's still a healthy number. Yeah, so yeah. The, one of the, go, go ahead, I'll, and I'll, I'll finish up when you're yeah. done. The worst, the worst opponent they played last year was, was, was probably Boston College. And so you get the 1.27 one time, but you still got a million in that, in that whole thing of your of your viewership, so the consistency is what keeps Notre Dame coming back, and that's why they can go ahead and ask for more money because we've seen the numbers across the board of like, okay, so say they get the Pac-12, great, that'd be great for the Pac-12. It'd be it'd be awesome if we get to see more games, but you know they're also not going to be guaranteed that a team that in that spot has as much drawing powers Notre Dame because it could be Cal. Who doesn't have a big drawing power, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're starting well, off with bare minimum. You're getting a million viewers no matter who they're even playing. Now you add in, like, look, everything's pointing towards they want bigger and bigger matchups. That's what brings in the eyeball. So, yeah, Ohio State, Notre Dame, USC, Notre Dame, they want more of that. And that's why there's also a lot of people that would love for them to be in a conference to go ahead and sit, situate that all up and, and have that just, you know, ready to go every year where you can reel off games like that. I mean, Notre Dame's schedule is always going to be jam-packed, you know, with typically good name teams at the very worst. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that people in charge would love to see them eliminate, uh, you know, maybe a couple of the teams they're playing for, um, you know, Big Ten teams or for SEC teams or whatever and, and have that conference backdrop to it as well. But, yeah, I mean, they're they're, they're starting off with a million at worst, and that's some numbers that, uh, you know, there's a lot of schools that play on Saturdays that don't reach that but maybe a, a few times a year, much less that's their worst mark of the entire season. So, yeah, they're they're a juggernaut as far as TV sets go. I, I missed I, – I said Marshall was streamed. I don't think they were. But here's another note, and somebody in the chat room said this, and then a note about a transfer from the SEC at quarterback, is that they're on NBC and ABC, I think, a lot. So they're on the big boys. They're, and even with all due respect to ESPN or anyone else, FS1, they're on two megas. They've earned that. And they also have drawn, but that doesn't hurt that you're not on a couple of alternate games that when you're on Big Boy, the networks, like the main ones, uh, as much as they are. But over the years, no matter the little wilderness they were in at times, uh, they have earned that as well. So we'll see what happens when that comes up. And that was just a nice little story to kind of discuss yesterday, looking at Notre Dame, and they're wanting $75 million. Now, in the transfer portal, T.J. Finley, Auburn, quarterback in the transfer portal. Uh, it, he won't be the last one. There will be more. And he is the latest who has uh, now decided he wants to look elsewhere. Yeah, it just came down in the last 20 minutes or so that T.J. Finley uh, announced that he would be leaving Auburn, had his uh, ready-to-go graphic. Uh, the memories created here will never be forgotten. Thank you for an amazing two years with me graduating, which he had highlighted this summer. I will be entering the transfer portal as a graduate transfer, so he's free to go wherever, whenever, um, and ready to play at uh, – at, you know, as soon as week one for whoever that is that he signs up with as a graduate transfer. So good on him for getting his degree and uh, allowing himself this opportunity because, yeah, otherwise the, the portal's closed right now. So, you know, he would have had to have done something a few days ago. But, yeah, as a graduate transfer, that's one of the benefits. And I'd uh, be curious to see what kind of a market there is for him. But this was something that you knew could be coming down the pipeline. It's the way it was talked about all spring, that quarterback position at Auburn. And, yeah, this is uh, – a this is one that's uh, not a total shock, but it's still very, uh, very much of interest. Paul, 
TJ Finley? Yeah, uh, I mean, where, he, where's he, what where if, do you where do you end up? Does he end up going where there's already a quarterback, or is there some? What openings are out there? I mean, there's there's not a lot. I mean, I think the bigger question is what Auburn does, yeah. and, you know, versus maybe even yeah. Yeah. him. Yeah. Does does Auburn? Because again, there's not a there's not a lot of quarterbacks in the portal right now. It's Casey. It's basically the ones that have experience that you would know. We Peyton Thorne from Michigan State, Casey Thompson. Uh, from Nebraska in, in Texas, and then now T.J. Finley. So, you know, if you see – I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see some sort of musical chairs between Auburn and Florida in this, but, uh, you know, Florida's already gone in and gotten a guy in Graham Mertz and is T.J. is or any of the three guys I mentioned so much better than Graham Mertz that Florida needs to get involved in that, which probably means NIL, which means that somebody's going to have to pay out for a quarterback who at best is probably going to make that team, which is not completely built yet, seven and five. Yeah. Makes me wonder if Auburn's got a guy on the hook right now. Yeah. Um, that now he's been notified and, you know, he had made those comments earlier about, you know, if they don't respect me. I had to fight for my spot. Then I was named the starter. And now they're bringing other guys in. There was that whole message from like a month ago. And so, yeah, possibly that means that we'll soon hear about, you know, a move that they're making or something. I don't, I don't know exactly. I haven't followed that super closely, but this is not a, a total shocker, but it is relevant information. And, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty quick start and stop for him as a, as a starting quarterback there for the Tigers. I mean, last year was, was what it was, but, uh, yeah, no longer going to be in, uh, old Alabama or yeah. possibly not no longer in Alabama. Uh, we will, uh, Come back with Newey Scruggs. He's a broadcaster, television sportscaster. He's also done quite a bit of radio nationally. And he'll come back, our discussion, Cowboys post-draft, to look at that one more time. But also his thoughts about TCU the year after. SMU in the Pac-12, if that is where it is lately. It's gotten kind of quiet. And then, of course, thoughts on the Big 12 overall. Newey Scruggs starts us off. This is 365 Sports. Don's Humidor and Coffee Beans in the Townway Shopping Center just off of what is Valley Mills in Richland Drive in Waco. And, in fact, I saw Carol and Cheyenne on Saturday. I've seen Ashley there when I'm there as well. They have fresh coffee beans. They're, they're, they, they have the cowboy flavor, uh, if you want that, which is one of their more popular, and they have a few others. they got a bunch of others. Fresh coffee beans, you can grind them at home, or they can do that for you while you wait. A 48-foot walk-in humidor with elite Brands of cigars from Cohiba and Padron to Aston and Macanudo, Romeo and Julieta, Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, and, and I could go on. And then on top of that, they have the Vita Dream, which is a gummy that really does help you um, go to sleep and more relaxed. And, and it's, it's not like just, bam, you're gone. It just kind of slows you down. When you do toss and turn, if you do 30 minutes or so, an hour, uh, every night or most nights, it will help you get yourself a, ru- a restful and comfortable sleep. Don Schumador and Coffee Beans, Ashley, Cheyenne, and also Carol. They're fantastic at what they do. They know everything about their business, and it's a great place to be in the Townwood Shopping Center just off Richland Drive and Valley Mills in Waco. It's the season to shop our large selection at Allen Samuels in Waco and find the vehicle that's right for you. Get amazing deals on new Ram trucks, Jeep SUVs, Chrysler minivans, or a sporty Dodge. Shop AllenSamuelsDCJ.com or come in to see us today at Allen Samuels in Waco. 
it's time to announce the 13th annual academic all-stars team honoring elite student athletes in greater central texas hi this is david smoke we annually recognize student athletes who thrive and succeed in both academic and athletic competition and here are the male all-stars including preston bats from wortham teagues anthony dimaselli mason kirk from china spring itaskas Cade lightsey whitney's canyon massengill stefan nickerson of la vega xavier payne from ellison reeve tartar from midway Troy's Nathan Westbrook and Riesel's Grady Wilson. The 2022-23 Academic All-Star Team is brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, Westdale Asset Management, Southwest Sports Medicine, Allen Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram, HEB, The McLean Group, Universal Windows Direct, the U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Center, Alliance Bank, Ray Broker AC, Hal Whitaker and Louis Englander Scholarship Fund, IdealMRI.com, Bubba's 33, The Banner Club, and our 501c3, The Waco Foundation. We'll honor the 13th annual Academic All-Stars team at our annual banquet Wednesday, May 17th inside the Presidential Suite at McLean Stadium with Baylor assistant basketball coach Bill Peterson, our guest speaker. We're very proud to recognize the elite student-athletes in Greater Central Texas. It's the 13th annual Academic All-Stars right here on 365 Sports. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC see an equal housing lender. It takes time to reach goals. It's a truth that applies to more than sports. It goes for your financial goals as well. You work hard for your money and you deserve an investment strategy that lines up with your game plan. And Chuck Verno, your Edward Jones financial advisor, can help. If financial investments aren't putting forth the effort you desire, stop by today for a financial review. Chuck Verno, 720 North 64th Street in Waco, 254-732-1161. Edward Jones, member SIPC. is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. Newey Scruggs. NBC Channel 5, NBC affiliate in Dallas and Fort Worth. And 10-time Emmy winner joins us on 365 Sports with Paul Craig and I'm David Smoke, and Nui joins us on many things, football, college, and pro. Nui, thank you so much for your time. How you been, man? 
Man, I am well. It is always great to talk to you and Paul as you guys do your thing, man. All right, Nui, uh, well, let's start with this. There was a story, and it's been on and off. We'll start with SMU. How It's been quiet because, obviously, the Pac-12 doesn't know what their future is or when they're going to pull the trigger if they get something legitimate to get done on TV. What are you hearing lately about SMU, if anything at all? Great, 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 great question. Got a contact over that works in the Pac-12 office. The first thing you got to figure out, what is the TV deal, Okay. So they got to figure that out. What's the deal? Do they like it? The next thing is after they hear the TV deal, how many people are going to lock in and say, let's roll together? I doubt they're going to be able to get a grant of right if this TV deal isn't, you know, up to bar where everybody says, okay, we'll, we'll stand together. So you've got to figure that part out. Who likes the deal? Who's all in, or at least will agree to stay together before you can invite anybody to come into the party. Mm-hmm. Nui, um, SMU obviously would be, you know, ready to go. Any power five league call them um, no matter what, uh, did, what, what point do they start to get antsy and worried that this may not happen for them? Man, they've been antsy since uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> South Carolina broke up. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they've had the toughest time of when they have gotten into conferences, those conferences have continued to change. You know, you finally get in conference USA, boom, it changes. Getting the American, boom, it changes. Um, so if they get into the Pac-12, my question is, how much does that conference stay the same? You're already going to see UCLA and SC leave. Who else decides to leave? You, you hear Brett Yormark and the Pac-12 are trying to snatch teams like Colorado and the Arizona schools. Um, what happens? So SMU can want to go to the Pac-12. My question is, what is going to be there after you finally get in the conference if that happens? Yeah, no, that's very fair. And, I mean, depending on the TV deal, it could be like five years, and all of a sudden you turn around and, like, boom, who the heck knows what what anything looks like at this point. Um, New, I know you're based there in Dallas, but I know you're not afraid to to throw your opinion out there either. Do you view SMU as just – Point blank, a school that's ready to take that next step. Do you feel like everything's in place now for them that if they were to make that move and not have to too much worry about what the future looks like, but just simply the move itself, do you think that they're equipped and ready to go should that call come as far as competing? It's not. In, here's my thing. The competition is one thing, but put together the what's needed. The Pac-12 needs to get into the central time zone. So SMU is going to help them from that standpoint. They need to get into Texas. So there's a fit there. And along the way, as you go into a new conference and you do your part, you're able to lift both. So between San Diego State and SMU, who would basically replace UCLA and USC, there are needs and fits that are right there. The competition and all that, that'll be, that comes later. Uh, Rhett Lashley's trying to continue what Sonny Dykes did there. It'll help them a little bit, um, but, you know, can you make bowl games being in the Pac-12? I believe they can, but the whole premise of, you know, a lot of people want to give the TCU bar to SMU. You know, can they can they get to that level? I, I'm not thinking that should be the bar. The bar should be getting in the conference, um, being able to help the conference stay together, and I, I believe they'll compete just because, you know, now you're able to sell the kids, you're in – you know, a group of five league, which is something that they haven't been able to sell before. And, you know, it's a big difference. Kids want to play in top conference. 
Nui, what would it mean, just like what it means to Houston to get back in, in a way, from what was the, obviously, Southwest Conference, they were left out of the Big 12, now they're back in it, or Cincinnati, UCF, Brigham Young, all four of these schools are thrilled to be a part of it because they're now officially in a Power 5 conference, and some have been waiting a long time. If, in fact, it happens, and the odds are still kind of we're not sure, what would it mean, actually, to SMU? That you actually found your way through the desert. You know, that you've wandered through the desert and you come out the other side. Really the same thing admit to TCU, that, hey, we're legitimate again, that we're on the level of the other schools. Um, for Utah, you know, to get to the Pac-12 and seeing how that changed things for that university. So it's going to give a big boost to the longtime alums who wanted to say, hey, we used to be on this level and we're back. Dewey, I'm, I'm curious, uh, when I knew that we were going to have you on the show today, you and I have spent a lot of time in press boxes and training camp talking ACC because we're both from that uh, part of the country. And uh, the ACC, and you had some schools, Florida State, Clemson, uh, among them, starting to talk about unequal revenue sharing and all this. They don't have a very, they don't have a malleable grant of rights at all, even though they, they can maybe say that, oh, we're working on that. What do you think the long-term future is for that league once they get in a realm where they can start talking about new media deals and all that, you know, sometime in the next century? Man, it's, it's rough sled. It's not a bad deal. Otherwise, <laughs> you sign a bad deal. Uh, you got your network, but, you know, how many people are watching ACT Network? When's the last time you watched it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they, they've got a bad thing there, and, and it's not like Clemson and Florida State, you know, who are complaining the most right now can do anything. You can't go anywhere. You're stuck, um, essentially. And then the whole thing of, hey, well, who can you bring in? Hey, maybe can we get Notre Dame to come in? And they rearrange the deal. I don't think so. I think these TV deals for a lot of these outside of the, the Big 12, I mean the Big 10 and the SEC, you're just stuck. You're kind of where you are. And there's no incentive for ESPN or Fox to go open up any of these deals with, with the ACC. Why? What, what are you doing it for? Um, it's not, you know, your football, you got two schools of football that people are really, really saying, okay, we'll turn the TV on, it'll move the needle. And your basketball league is still good, but hey, Roy Williams and Coach K aren't there anymore. So um, I don't know how the ACC is able to really generate anything else right now because may, maybe try to merge with someone. You know, can they say, hey, look, uh, we want to merge with the Pac-12 or we want to merge with the Big 12? Maybe. But other than that, I don't see how they're able to improve their lot right now. No, I know we'll pivot to Cowboys in a second, but i got to ask you because we haven't had you on um... – TCU, that run that they just went on, the draft this past weekend, eight players uh, to lead the way for the Big 12 and just a, a great class overall. Um, what was that like to, to watch that, to watch Sonny Dykes take over in the manner that he did, replacing a, a legend like Gary Patterson? And uh, just, I mean, there's so many facets to that run, but what was it like from your standpoint being close by and seeing all that? It was definitely surprising. I mean, there was no doubt. I, didn't, I did not expect this. Uh, people forget, you know, Max Duggan was a guy they said was a backup quarterback and ends up uh, making a run all the way to the Heisman. They just found every way you just, you know, the, everything that you could. It's kind of like what Scott Drew was the national championship, you know. Anything that, you know, you needed something to go your way, it went your way. I mean, you need you need talent, but you also need a little bit of luck to get you, you know, to, to a, you know, 
a place like that. So it was fun to watch. Uh, the kids definitely responded to what caused uh, the strength coach. I mean, I hear about Cos all the time, man. All the time. got a text today. They were you know, praising and talking about Cos and what he was able to do with the mindset that these kids had to go in there and, and win football games. So it was fun to watch. Let's see what happens because you got a lot of players that aren't there. And it just, you know, what you guys saw with Baylor after they won the, the Big 12 championship, you know, the next year's a, a challenge because everybody's looking at you, you know. You know, people are saying, hey, look, what do you have? And, oh, by the way, TCU didn't win the Big 12, you know. They, they made the college football playoff and won the Fiesta Bowl, but they didn't win the Big 12. So let's see if Chandler Morris can stay healthy and, and what he's able to do at quarterback because, you know, the Big 12 is all about – the quarterback. If you're trying to win the league or do something, your quarterback's pretty much going to have to be a first-team, all-Big 12 guy, if not the offensive player of the year in the conference. Newey, Texas is a team that they get the recruits. There have been a couple of years, bumps in a row, where they weren't a top-10 class. They showed like there could be a simmering in a way that there's a smoldering last year, but even then there's a couple of things of disappointment. I, I We've discussed this, and it's hard because they have been – like team hype, but it does appear as if they're more in a position to truly be that team that a lot of people think. Do you agree? Offensive line's got to get better. They're young, so so they're getting more mature. So the offensive line's got to be there. Quarterback's got to stay healthy. Once again, now your quarterback. If your quarterback plays at a first team All Big Twelve level, then you're going to have an opportunity. Uh, personally, I'm not sold on Sark as the head coach. Play caller, yeah. Head coach is a different kind of deal. Look at the track record at Washington, USC, and Texas. This is not a championship coach. You know, as a head coach, great play caller, head coach, a whole different kind of thing. And I'm not sold there. And until I see it, I'm not going to believe it. Newey, the Cowboys um, had a uh, probably a less than interesting draft by most fans' standards this past week. Uh, you know, like the Monty Smith defensive tackle, something they haven't done in the first round since Russell Maryland. Uh, you know, they kind of they picked a tight end while one that was maybe higher thought of was was still on the board. What were your overall assessments of what the Cowboys did uh, this past weekend? Great. So I was at, I was at the Star yesterday and, and, and got some answers to some questions. Uh, first off, on the tight end, um, and I know that Brandon being the, the GM of Buffalo said we felt we had to jump Dallas to get Dalton Kincaid. Dalton Kincaid was not their number one tight end. Sam Laporte of Iowa was. So that was, that was the conversation. It was, it was about, you know, hey, Sam was our number one tight end. Schoonmaker was number four on the list. So that's another reason why they went plugged in because the other three guys were gone. As far as Mozzie goes, they have been looking at and talking about a tackle for the past three drafts. Last year was the big kid from um, – from, from Georgia, uh, Davis, that Philadelphia got. Uh, they loved him, but they didn't have they didn't want to risk the ammo to trade up for him, so they missed out on him. Year before, Kenlaw goes to the 49ers, Brown goes to uh, the Carolina Panthers. So they've been looking up there. So this is a fit that's going to work for them. He'll be more of a nose guard. And this will allow Oso Odigizua to play more of the three technique. He'll be the guy that kind of gets the sacks. Big Mozzie's going to go ahead and take up spots. You look at the games that the Cowboys lost, teams ran successfully against them. I was up in Green Bay. Green Bay got them for 207 yards on the ground, and Aaron Rodgers threw 14 passes, 14 passes, and they won that game in, in, in overtime. And it was all about controlling the clock, keeping the defense on the field, keeping Dak Prescott and the offense off the field. That's 
beating the Cowboys. So getting Mozzie Smith was a big-time need. Bar wasn't coming back. They need to get another player out there in that middle linebacker spot. And Leighton Van Der Esch, while he had a good year last year, Leighton's got an injury. Yeah, he's, he's, he's had issues of missing some games, but he was good last year, and he needed to be good because of his contract situation. So Linebacker in, that can help him drop down. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Nui, they have been drafting better. They're going to miss on some, and they had a pretty nice offseason with trades. How much better do you think the front office is maybe perhaps the last two to four years, five years, than they were prior to that? Look, the last 10 years, I think they are tied with the 49ers for the most most all pros that have been drafted. Um, they've had 18 guys, I want to say, that they've drafted overall the past 10 years that have become Pro Bowl players. Drafting isn't the problem. It's really not. They've drafted good football players. The problem has been – Hey, you're you're in San Francisco. You got three minutes to go. You got the football to go down the field, do something, and they couldn't do anything with it. Um, that's been the problem: is the execution and getting out here beating teams. And then when you want to beat a San Francisco and you can't stop the run, I'm sorry, that that stuff can win you some regular season games. But when it comes down to beating the good teams, you have to have a stellar defense. I mean, think about it, Smokey. Name me a championship team that didn't have a good run defense. Yeah, not, I can't. There's not many. I'm not off the top of my head. I can't think of it. You got to be able to. You have to do that because if you don't, then you get killed as well in the play action. Yep, yep. I mean, like as great as Andy Reid is for the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs had over 100 yards rushing in the Super Bowl. Isaiah Pacheco was really good, and and even the um, the Super Bowl before that, the other kid they rolled out there, he had over 100 yards in the game. So Andy's running and figuring out how to run when he needs to. And, and the Cowboys just couldn't stop it against the good teams. And to me, this is what was needed for them in order to get better. But the drafting, I mean, you can't really – I mean, look at last year, Tyler Smith. A lot of people are like, hey, who is this guy? Had the most holding calls in the game. I mean, the kid started every single game for them, and he's their left tackle of the future for the next eight or nine years. First-round pick before that was Micah Parsons. People mm-hmm. are like, well, you don't draft the linebacker in the first round. Look how great Micah was. They don't have a problem drafting at all. It's the game day thing in the playoffs that, that, that matters. Nui, we appreciate it, man. Uh, have a great show tonight, a couple of them, and uh, we appreciate your time. Look forward to seeing you again. Always great to talk to you and pull into the station right now. God bless you guys. Perfect well, timing. Nui Scruggs, NBC5 in Dallas and Fort Worth, also was doing a national show for a long time uh, on NBC Radio and uh, very much entrenched. Came in. He was in L.A., Came to Dallas, came to Texas, thought he was going to be here for three or four years, and it's now been 20 or so, and uh, says this is now home to him, no matter where he was. So appreciate his time. Newey Scruggs, uh, NBC5. Now, Craig bought the cookie cake. There's the card that's beautiful, and then also the gift card. And then um, Paul and Amanda. So my favorite athlete ever is Joe Frazier. So they found this. It's a hoodie. Whoop, there we go. 1971, Joe Frazier beat. March 8th, 1971. The first of three against Ali. And there it is. Uh, Let me see. Go this way. Fight of the century, Madison Square Garden in 1971. I remember listening to that fight on the steps of our house in Wincrest, just outside of San Antonio, near Roosevelt High School on 
what was closed circuit radio. That's how things have changed quite a bit. Paul and Amanda, thank you very much. That is awesome. Can't yeah, wait I, to wear that. I saw that on a, a website. Craig knows of it too, called Roots of Fight. And I was like, oh, that's that's perfect for Smokey right there. He loves Joe Frazier. Smoking so. Joe Frazier. Had an interview with him when I was on radio in Tyler, and it was awesome. I mean, like my heart was beating fast. He's about one of the few in which I was a little bit overwhelmed by it just because uh, I love everything about Joe Frazier. All right, when we come back, a couple of other nuggets. We're going to get to David Ubbin at just after four today. And when we come back, the college football dates and the bowl games for when they do expand the 12 in 2024, that is next on 365 Sports. Stonewood Dental, have an appointment in less than a month. Later on this month, I think it's like March, uh, May 24th or 25th. That's a teeth cleaning. It's a checkup. I mentioned about three or four weeks ago, I went to bite into one of those uh, mints, and I kind of felt something. It's like, man. Is that part of a tooth or is it just that's, and, or is it a mint? And it's a little crack. It has not caused any trouble. I have kept, make sure I've maintained it with floss and, and those little teeth sticks. But I'm going to get that looked at as well. And, and I look forward to it. In the past, if something was going on, I was like, oh, my God, i got to go to the dentist. They're going to find more than just what I think is wrong because it's just what it was. And Dr. Steve Childress and Stonewood Dental have helped me with my maintenance schedule. Uh, you know, the teeth cleaning, which is such a simple thing every six months. Six months. If something doesn't feel right, go get it looked at, right? Because something that might be okay that isn't, or you think it's okay that isn't, can turn into something that's a root canal or worse. Dr. Steve Childress, Stonewood Dental, an incredible staff in Robinson, Texas. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for. Try the sick'em sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. 
In the market for a quality metal building? Since 1943, Pioneer Steel and Pipe has helped Central Texas residential and commercial customers with metal building design, panel options, building components, and trim options. Pioneer Steel and Pipe's residential line is energy efficient, offers low maintenance, reduces insurance payments, is impact resistant, and carries up to a 45-year limited warranty. In addition, they can also help you find a metal building contractor for your project. Pioneer Steel and Pipe with locations in Waco and Bryant and at PioneerBoys.com. Want to know why Stonewood Dental is so successful? Listen to what happy customers have to say. It's pleasant. It's different than any other dentist's office. I really feel like they care. And it's not that you're here for two hours waiting on someone to take care of you. It's quick and easy. And, you know, I bring my kids, and my kids love being here too. They really love the treasure box. <laughs> Staff is really nice and accommodating, real friendly. You feel more like home. It's not sterile looking. Everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor, and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold. <laughs> I've recommended people to actually come here, and they are patients now. I really love it here. It feels like family. Learn more, stonewood-dental.com. This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. So there was uh, about a week or so ago you started to see the reports of the, the dates for the first expanded college football playoff, which now is at four, will be at 12 in 2024. They gave out the dates and all that in both 24 and 25, but let's focus in on 24. And here they are. The first round games will be on December 20th and the 21st of Friday evening, and then a Saturday game that's either early afternoon, late afternoon, or evening. There'll be one game on Friday evening, three games in those three timelines, early afternoon, late afternoon, and evening, almost like a regular college football day, that's the first round. So you'll have eight teams who try to make it into the quarterfinals where teams will be waiting. Then, about 10 days later or so, a week and a half later, on Tuesday, December 31st, New Year's Eve, the Fiesta Bowl, we'll have a game in the evening. Wednesday, January the 1st, there'll be three games, three quarterfinal round games, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, the Rose Bowl, and the All-State Sugar Bowl. And look, the Rose Bowl got their time slot. They they did. They got it. They won it on January 1st, and they wanted it in the mid-afternoon, and they got it. Maybe not the next year. I don't know. Then the four winners move on to the semifinals, which will be about a week later. Not quite. Uh, a week, a little bit more than that. The Capital One Orange Bowl in Miami on Thursday, January 9th will be a night game. And the following day, the Goodyear Cotton Bowl in Dallas or in Arlington will be a night game. And the championship game will then be 10 days after that, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia on a Monday, 
January 20th. We've all discussed we'd rather it not be on a Monday. Don't lose the steam. NFL playoffs the weekend before, but those are the dates. Those are the bowl games, and sometimes as well as an estimated when it will be during the day. Yeah, I'd rather it be on that Friday night to me. I mean, I think that would be way better, um, you know, just as opposed to after you've had people – you know, watching football all weekend with the NFL playoffs, which are going to get more ratings than you are, why don't you be the thing that kicks off that exciting playoff weekend? That, to me, makes more sense. If it's Thursday or Friday or whatever, that would be better to me because I think you're going to have a more captive audience and a more engaged audience than you would on Monday, especially depending on who it is. If there's not – and there may – like – you're probably going to look at some of the same teams, but you might, you know, because of this 12-team playoff, luck into a, you know, a game where there's not going to be a lot of fatigue. It might be a, a matchup we haven't seen in a while of two teams that are not there. So capitalize on it as much as you can, um, you know, and we'll see. I, I do, like I said before, we talked about it. I would like to see this all moved up a little bit, you know, just so that you're not waiting between the conference championship games and the bowl games two weeks or in the, in the playoff two weeks. Unless they can make the bowl game schedule run better to where, you know, in that two weeks, I've got good bowl games every night that I can watch and good postseason matchups to flow through and, and wet my whistle, so to speak. But I don't know. They, I just – I don't like waiting two weeks after the championship games. But Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely ways this could have been better, um, you know, but they're afraid of the NFL. So they didn't pursue those ways. They could have played on, you know, more customary dates, but they don't want to – you know, get affected by the pros, and uh, that's understandable. But it's kind of weird to play on every day of the week besides Sunday over the course of a playoff. They're playing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and there's no game on Sunday. But at some point, they're playing on every single one of those days, which is just very uh, odd. And I know that maybe one day here and there is not going to make much of a difference, but I, I would imagine there's also probably a few coaches who love routine who are like, what the heck? Because, you know, you hear about how much just a Thursday night game can completely throw you off your schedule uh, or having a non-Saturday game, how that like a Friday night game as opposed to your normal Saturday game, how that changes things. Um, so that'll be something for, for teams to have to deal with and adjust to. Uh, but, you know, you've got the major bowls involved. I don't care about the rows and their kickoff time. I never did, and good for them, I guess. But I, I just could not care less about that story. I, I don't care about that storyline uh, and their sunset. But I, I understand why it's a, it's an appeal for many out there in the history and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, I, I it's interesting to look at, and I'm excited about it. You know, I, I do wonder how much – of an effect it has on some of the other bowl games and if there's a much of a care factor. Now, I thought initially, you know, like, okay, well, if you're taking all these teams out of the bowl games, then what does the Cotton Bowl look like? But since you're going to be using those, that solves the problem of, you know, all of a sudden the Cotton Bowl, rather than having Florida State, Oklahoma, has got, you know, some other not-so-great game because all those teams are in the playoff. They don't, they don't, don't you know, deal with that. So that's good that they that they did it that way and – yeah, it's just going to be more football. I'm excited for it. I, I don't have a lot of like really in-depth thoughts because I'm just sort of waiting for it to arrive and then kind of go from there on, on what it looks like. But don't love the scattering of days just because I'm kind of a, a very much a black and white kind of guy. And, and coaches want to be routine right, too. Right, and that's that's the thing I think probably most of all. But, I mean, that's that's not something that should torpedo this thing by any means. So, again, it'll just be something they have to adjust to, but – it's exciting to look at and, and to think about, and uh, yeah, it's it's right around the corner. In 2025, the Rose Bowl is a quarterfinal round game early afternoon on a Thursday, January 1st. 
So both years, they're going to be on January 1st. They get what they wanted. Now, again, this might change. This is early. That might change. The championship game in two years, or in three years, 2025, will be at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Uh, The Orange Bowl is a part of the quarterfinals and I guess will also be the championship site. Isn't that the same place? Yeah, they're going to play the same Uh, place. I'm looking at the uh, 2024 uh, Atlanta, which is the Peach Bowl, gets the championship game, and they're a part of the quarterfinals. So they'll host uh, a couple of different games that year. The, quarter, the Peach Bowl in Georgia, the 2024, and the Orange Bowl uh, in Miami in 2025 yeah, will have two games. I think the only difference will be, like, stadium-wise is when, say, Las Vegas gets the game. Yeah. You know, Las Vegas is not going to have – you know, the Las Vegas Bowl is not going to be – part of that rotation and then you know when the state when the championship games back at sofi you know the rose bowl will have their thing at the rose bowl and then sofi's you know uh, quite a quite a well, ways away if so. the rose bowl wants to keep being on january 1st that means well i guess they could host the quarterfinal like the other ones and then host well, the championship well, game. and they're right well here's the thing if the compromise is you want to have that game that day at that time great you just now have to move off the fact, and this is probably another thing they had to do, is it's not going to be the Big Big Ten and Pac-10 anymore. Like, it's just not. No, yeah, as like far it as could. The, the opponent, it yeah. Could, it could be, but, yeah. you know, who knows what it's going to and, be. And, again, the first-round games, sorry, Craig, are, are all on campus. Those opening games that then winners get to the quarterfinals will be on-campus games, which will be a nice twist, uh, a, a turn of a change compared to what we've seen before. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is uh, I'm excited about those. I think most of all, uh, I know those won't be the biggest matchups, but they're still going to be some pretty good matchups. I mean, they're, they're going to be some good games. You'll obviously have teams with buys, uh, but I think for those uh, seeds that, you know, get the chance to host and uh, those that have to go travel into hostile territory as opposed to just your generic NFL, you know, intermediate site or whatever, um, as they're accustomed to for these types of games, I think that'll be a really fun Unique, interesting twist uh, to um, to this whole thing. So, yeah, I'm excited about the possibility of seeing, um, like, USC going to uh, Clemson uh, in the first round of the playoff and, and having to play, in, you know, in Death Valley. And, and there's any other thousands of other matchups that I'm sure people have used as examples. But the fact that that's something that we could see during the regular season but we would never see in an elimination-style postseason setting – uh, that's going to make that first year exceptionally cool, and I, I think that'll be a cool thing, you know, moving on into the future years as well. I think that's a real hook for for people is for these early round teams to have that potential to to have a home game. That's just going to be so massive uh, for so many. And yeah, I mean, just having these additional postseason games. Uh, I know some don't like it; they they feel it's going to be watered down or it takes away from the every week matters, but. Um, I'm open-minded enough to to give it a go and give it a chance, and, and I'm super interested in, in how it works out. And guess what? If it doesn't work out well, they could always change it. Yep. Although, there's going to be so much money flowing that it could be the worst thing ever, and they're not going to probably ever change this. So it is what it is, and uh, whether you like it or not, here it comes. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. All right, when we come back, David Ubbin, reporter for TheAthletic.com. He and Ari Wasserman, about a week or so ago before the draft, looked at how teams were cultivating or developing three, four, and five-star players, and not many teams get five-star players. Those who do, uh, there's a a small handful. And then post-NFL draft, uh, looking at how teams develop talent, prospects, et cetera, and David Ubbett is next. This is 
365 Sports. Pioneer Steel and Pipe. 1943, they opened their doors, and now the last less than a year, they have opened their doors at a brand new location, bigger, better, faster, stronger, but still the core of what they have always had, which is amazing customer service. They don't say it, they mean it. And of course, their product. But now the product is more different lengths. Uh, You don't have to buy product from them and then go somewhere else or take it back to your shop and cut it. They have different lengths for you to pick up when you arrive. And speaking of picking up, the distribution, the efficiency, the time, which was good, is now really good because they have bigger and more bays for you to come and pick up the product you need. Heavy-duty product, pipe, steel, metal, building, uh, metal buildings and more, real estate, commercial, or even what you might be doing at home on the weekend or wherever you might be. It's a great company, great people, 1943, bigger, better, faster, and stronger with their brand-new location just off of uh, the uh, off of I-35 to the southeast on Highway 6 and also Loop 4, 340. Aaron Duvall, owner, Texas Beef House. Aaron, it's premium grade East Texas beef, and you're located just outside of Tyler. No hormones, no antibiotics, no steroids, the kind of beef that people want. And then also your label is what catches people's attention as well. Yes, uh, we have a, a all-natural pasture-raised uh, Wagyu beef at the USDA label. That means our cattle never spend any time in the feed yard. They go straight from the pasture to the day of harvest, and we oversee the whole process from the beginning of the genetic choices when we make these matings to the time the calves are born to the, the feed choices all the way through uh, when the animals are harvested. So we oversee the whole thing as a family, and we just believe, you know, life's too short to eat average beef, so uh, we uh, offer people a chance to step up their game and uh, try uh, Wagyu beef at TexasBeefHouse.com. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lake Shore Drive, North 19th Street, right behind the bank, is a hidden gem in Waco. If you're a fan of bourbon, especially local Texas bourbons, that's where you gotta go. Balcones, TX, Devil's River, whatever it is, they've got it. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, plus the best selection of craft beers in Waco, seasonally churned out throughout the year. Whether it's spring, summer, fall, or winter, Riverbend Liquor and Wine, best selection of craft beers, a speedy drive through window, an excellent customer service. Find out more on Instagram or just go by and see them. Lakeshore Drive at North 19th Street behind the bank. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called Semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovi. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. 
once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help is finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. Let Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch, or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming. Army, warm. Welcome home. Dozens of 2023 Buicks are on the lot in Price Move at Richard Carr Buick, a prestigious luxury SUV without the luxury price. Experience the quiet escape and premium drive of a Buick SUV on a test drive today at Richard Carr. Right now, qualified buyers get a 2023 Buick Encore GX at 3.9% for 60 months, plus save 1,000 dealer discount or save 3,500 on a 2023 Buick Enclave Avenir in stock. See dealer for details. Count on us. is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. One quick note before we get to our guest, David Ubbin from TheAthletic.com. Grant Miller, former Baylor and Vanderbilt offensive lineman, just informed us that he has signed an undrafted free agent contract with the Rams in L.A. We'll report to them on May the 12th. So another player that was not drafted, has been a chunk of them, who have signed non-drafted or undrafted free agent contracts. We're now joined by David Ubbin, Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke, and David Smoke. David, thank you very much for your time. I love... What you guys did before uh, in the three star you article, and, and then now the, the follow up on who cultivates or develops talent. Uh, this seems like it probably had to take you quite some time. <laughs> I got so I, I initially pitched this idea as something to do over the summer in June as like a project, and then we realized we should have we should definitely do it before the draft. And then I started calculating about four teams. And it took me like a day, and I was like, I gotta get some help. <laughs> so I enlisted uh, Mitch White and Ari Wasserman to come uh, help tabulate the data. And I think we ended up, I think our final tabulation was like 40 man hours on just <laughs> calculating the data alone. So it took a while. David, what school surprised you the most with their uh, with their development? I know that I know the ones that didn't develop or kind of if you look at the record not surprising but there's a couple of like dark horses in there that they really surprised me as what they're doing yeah i think miami on the positive side was really surprising and then i think um you know stanford 
capturing our five-star U title was really surprising. And then on the, the other end of the spectrum, you know, uh, Northwestern really not producing much NFL talent, but also having an ability to uh, win at a higher rate than people expected. And then, of course, you know, Baylor doing what they did over the course of three coaching staff. Most of the time when we looked at, you know, who struggled to develop, the lack of continuity was a huge um, reason why. I mean, you look at Tennessee, Texas, Nebraska, lack of continuity, lack of development. Um, you know, Baylor obviously had coaching changes for different reasons, but, um, you know, for them to be able to do that with three different staff was, was pretty, um, you know, unbelievable. You know, it was the Tennessee and Oregon were the ones that were the least, right, at the bottom, that, that based on who they recruit. And you had mentioned Texas was right outside that list. Yeah, uh, I, I think when you look at, you know, development at all three star levels, you know, Tennessee was, was clearly sort of the anti-development U. Um, Texas and Oklahoma really struggled with five stars and sort of pulled the Big 12 as a whole development number down with five stars. Texas, of course, you know, really at all star levels, uh, not exactly breaking news to everyone that they have not sort of played up to their talent level. Um, so some not surprises and then some surprises, and I think, when we looked at it at a conference level, you know, the ACC being better at developing than SEC was very surprising. David, uh, one of the things that jumped out at me was that A&M is excellent at when they get a five-star player, that guy's getting developed. They're like eight to 12 or whatever it was. When they get a four-star mm-hmm. player, that guy is probably uh, going to have to focus on his schooling. <laughs> yeah, it, it was interesting to see the schools that had, you know, very different numbers across star levels, and that's kind of hard to explain. I mean, A&M was sort of number one on that list of, why are you so good with five stars and struggle so much with four stars? I don't have a good answer for that. Um, you know, that was the thing. is This raw data will tell you quite a bit, um, but still leaves some unanswered questions, and, and that's one of the big ones for us. Again, David, I'm in theathletic.com with us on 365 Sports. The uh, There was a time, David, back in the day, I, I always enjoyed the Dallas Morning News used to do something that was similar but not nearly as in-depth. They'd take their top whatever they had, top 100 or whatever, and then look four years or five years later. Is this something that it, it's, it's just deeper and more con, uh, I guess, more expansive than kind of what that project was? Uh, I suppose somewhat. I, I think one thing that we that we noted, too, is that this isn't something we can do and update annually. <laughs> I think this is the, like the last year, you know, maybe even a year too late that you could really do this because with the transfer portal, you know, you get into sort of complicated conversations about who should deserve credit. And, and for most of the time that we look, transfers are pretty rare. And of course you sit out a year and guys that were established somewhere else transferred and played at a new place and thrived were pretty rare. Um, but that's going to be really common now. So, I don't know that this data moving forward will tell you that much, but I think it does serve as a pretty representative um, snapshot of, of what the last 11 years in, in college football have looked like uh, in terms of development. So what's the new metric that you guys have to figure out to see how <laughs> you are? Who's... You have to fold in like transfer portal and, you know, figuring out who thrives the most with, with portal would be interesting. I don't know how you would, um, you know, derive that. I think for us, you know, you have, Two pretty clear data points. You can say, well, you know, what about guys that go undrafted and, and have careers? And what about the two stars? And sure, there's lots of what ifs. But generally, what's your recruiting ranking? 
did you get drafted are two pretty binary um, data points that will tell you something. And in big uh, swaths of data will be pretty representative. And I, and I think the data sort of sussed that out for us. Baylor, you underneath the three stars, they hit, what, 7.6%, 36th overall. Four stars you mentioned at the very top, nearly 38%. And then they've only had three three five stars in the time you mentioned, 11 years, 33.5%, one out of every five. But you said, took home our title of four-star U, but were mostly average elsewhere. I would have thought, just based on following them since 2010, that they would have been pretty good on three stars or less, but uh, I guess not. Yeah, I think that was one of the interesting things about this project is it sort of challenges things, the things that you think. You know, when you ask about, oh, well, who's the best at developing, you know, underrated players? You know, people would talk about, oh, well, you know, Iowa would, would show up or Utah would show up and, and all these things. And, and what you think was different than, than what the data shows. I think that was interesting because you can write about things and have opinions, but this is, you know, data that, that we haven't really seen before. And, and I think it, it confirms some things that people believe, and I think it challenges a lot of others. So, David, um, back to the, you know, maybe off the comma a little bit, but related, but the transfer portal and the way that it has the, the, the windows now, what are your thoughts on, like, some of the guys that jumped in these, uh, these last uh, couple weeks and how that's going to shake things up going into the offseason? Well, I think the one thing moving forward in the portal area era that we know is that December is when the big-time talents are going to be in there. And you might get some in April. But largely, most of the guys in April are going to be guys that lost competitions in the spring, don't really know what their future is. The guys that have thrived and are looking to move up and, and find a better spot, those are the guys that most of the time are entering in December, and many of whom enter the portal knowing very well where they're going. So... Uh, I think that's sort of my main takeaway is that if you're looking to sort of plug and play somebody and you're shopping in the portal in April, uh, good luck. <laughs> Do you think that Hugh Freeze has a particular grocery item in mind with the news about TJ Finley, perhaps already on campus, but but what do you make of the Auburn situation? I know that wasn't a shocking move by any means, but now that it's official, mm-hmm. your, your thoughts on that? Well, you know, grad transfers can enter whenever, so maybe there's another quarterback on the market. But when you look at the best quarterbacks on the market, you know, Peyton Thorne uh, from uh, Michigan State, guy who's got some experience but seems to lose his job at Michigan State this spring. Uh, obviously, Casey Thompson, similar situation um, at Nebraska. Uh, so, again, it's kind of what are you what are you getting, you know? Is it an upgrade for you? That's up to the coaches to decide, and, you know, it's a results business, so we'll see if it is or not, but – you know, there's not a, uh, a Devin Leary. There's not a, a Cam Newton out there on the market. So, you know, you got to sort of figure out if there's somebody that makes us better. And I, I think the list of guys that, that do that anywhere is, is pretty short right now on the portal. You talk to personnel people, you talk to coaches, and they say, you know, it's kind of slim pickings in the portal, which is bad news for the thousand or so guys that are sitting there, you know, waiting on the phone. David, I think the perception is the portal helps the rich get richer, but then there's their players who leave the elite schools are going to go down the ladder, or in some cases even might be in the group of five or even below that. It, it depends. Who do you think, or it, does the transfer portal benefit basically everybody if they work it right? Um, that's a tough question. I mean, I think we haven't seen enough data, really. I, I think 
you know, last year you look at Alabama, right, and you say, well, they whiffed on some guys. You know, um, receivers didn't really work out. You know, Jermaine Burton didn't really add much for them. A guy, you know, came over from Georgia. They added another receiver from Louisville that kind of got hurt and didn't really contribute much. They had a left tackle from Vanderbilt, Palestine, and he was okay, but not really a world beater. And if you're, you know, at, you know, mining Vanderbilt, you know, late in the, the portal season, you're, you're probably, you know, not in the best spot. But then you look at Georgia, obviously, and last year they win the national championship, but they look at their roster and they say, our receivers are not great. They go take Mississippi State's best receiver and Missouri's best receiver and, and clearly upgrade and makes life a little bit easier for Carson Beck as a first-year starter. So, I mean, I think in general, yes, I think it probably helps the rich get richer. But if you have a staff that's really good at evaluating and has good relationships, and, you know, if you're at a place, uh, you know, that's in a talent-rich area, and maybe guys go to Ohio State or go to Georgia and it doesn't work out for them or they don't love it there, and they come back closer to home, you know, most of the time when they transfer, they do come back closer to home. Mm Mm-hmm. You can make that portal work for you. So I don't think that there's sort of a generalized, oh, the portal's better for this program and this program and this program. You know, I think in general it's a place because, it, you know, I compare it to speed dating and recruiting. You don't have three years to evaluate and get to know a guy. You might see some tape. You might, you know, get on a call, bring a guy out for a visit. Most of the time you got like a week to figure out, you know, is this the guy that we want? And if you can – you know, give a good eval off the field, on the field, and recruit, you know, heavy, and do that in a very uh, accelerated time frame, you're, you're going to thrive. The the, uh, the tampering part of it, how much do you think is going on? <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Uh, a lot is the best way with that. Uh, some more effective than others, but, you know, I think the coaches that have complained about it and, you know, it's a complaint for everybody because they got to re-recruit their roster. You know, the NCAA has basically said, you guys are kind of on your own on this. You know, they'd love for it to stop, but it's not going to. And I think ultimately, unless you make players employees and they're under contract and, you know, that, that's the thing, you can get mad about tampering, but, like, it's technically not illegal. It's just sort of frowned upon. Like, and what is tampering really? You know, if a high school coach gets a call from a coach at another school, like, how many degrees of separation do you have? Most of the time when you talk about tampering, it's not a position coach from, you know, X school calling a player from Y school and saying, hey, I'd love for you. That's usually not how it works. So, like, for one, you can't really penalize that, and the NCAA is not very interested in penalizing that. And what exactly, you know, it is, is not really easy to define. David Ubbin, The Athletic, the, the – Pack 12 I'll get to that in just a second. Craig, you got another short uh, question? Yeah, David, we were just talking about the new playoff format a few minutes ago. We known this is coming. We've all talked about it and fantasized about what it would look like, but now to kind of see it in front of us in, in black and white and know the dates and know the sites and all of that. Uh, are you somebody that was pro expansion, anti expansion? Where do you sit on the future of the postseason in college football? I mean, I, I think the postseason, I, I think it'll be fine. I don't think it's that much of a game changer. I, I think ultimately the postseason is going to be very, very fun. I think, you know, the effects that it has on the, the, the regular season remains to be seen. I think in general, because there's so few games, uh, you know, you, you're still always going to have a very heated regular season. Um, how much does it, how much air does it take out of the regular season? We'll see. Probably a little bit. 
you know, enough to really hurt the sport? I don't know because now you've got a lot more games that are relevant in the postseason. And once we get into the postseason, I mean, those the games are going to be absolute fire. So I, I was like kind of tentatively pro expansion. I thought the sport would be fine without it, but I think it'll be in good shape with it. So I, I really, you know, not to disappoint, I didn't really have a super hot take about uh, what the sport should do about the postseason. David, what do you think is ever going to happen with the media deal in the Pac-12? Well, yeah, two different people you get two different answers. And generally, the people on the eastern side of this debate seem to think that the Pac-12 is, uh, you know, not long for this world. And you ask people out west, and they seem to think, oh, we'll be fine. The deal's going to be great. It's just a matter of time. So at some point, you know, the ink's got to hit paper. And, you know, it's hard to know. You know, you ask different people, you see different things, and, you know, it's not going great. Anytime you have a delay or you have all this chatter that it's not going to be good and, you know, networks get involved and you start talking about Apple Plus and that gets a little bit in a weird spot. So I'm not, you know, waiting on something that's going to knock people's socks off, but is it something that precipitates the, you know, the splintering of the Pac-12? You know, we'll see. You know, you want to do that for the difference of 2 to $5 million a year? I don't think so. But if it's 10 to $15 million a year, then you might have an interesting conversation. So uh, we'll see. Which among the 12 or, what, 14 teams in the Big 12 with four incoming teams, who would you say is a lock if there is one, if you had to put one name out there in the Big 12 to win this year's Big 12 football championship? Ooh, that's an interesting question. I mean, I think the beauty of the Big 12 as it's currently, you know, fifth um, is there's not going to be one, especially with the way that Oklahoma looks. I mean, I think I'd probably lean Texas. But not, you know, in a big way. And certainly we've seen Texas underwhelm quite a bit. I mean, I think Baylor will be in the mix for sure. TCU will probably be in the mix. I like, you know, Kansas State's got decent odds as well. So probably that quartet, but I think it's going to be a, a tight race. But, you know, I sort of, you know, when the rubber meets the road, I guess I would probably say Texas. David, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. Great stuff with what you guys did with what you wrote a couple of weeks ago and also how you followed it up. We appreciate it post-NFL draft. Have a great day. Thank you, guys. Have a great one. That's David Ubbin, theathletic.com, with us on 365 Sports. I'm yeah. going to read the summaries under each team, just at like one or two sentences. Yeah, Go no, it's, it's a cool thing to look at. I didn't really know how to, like, ask a question, really, because it's like – because he kind of answered it when he said, you know, it's about con- continuity as much as anything. Um, is just having the same coaching staff in place so long as they're producing talent. They stick like Matt Rule has stuck around Baylor these last couple of years. You know, we saw what the class was last year. I would think that they probably have more than the one they had this year, just because they would have kept recruiting and kept developing guys. But you had the interruption, and so you had the tail end of his guys, and now the beginning of Aranda. And, uh, you know, Aranda's going to, you know, take some time. It's taking some time, and we'll see. I think next year will be a key indicator of how well guys are developing under mm-hmm. this staff because it, it'll be a, a good sample size at this point. But, yeah, I mean, if you have disruption, then that's going to, you know, interrupt a, a lot of things. And the smaller the school, I think, the more of the, the disruption that it, that it can be because you're already struggling to get that high-level NFL type of talent to begin with. You know, at least if you take over it, you know, any number of, of the, the Blue Bloods, you still got that to lean on, no matter who your coach is. Like, he has to be a real, you know what, to, like, not get talent to that Georgia or, you know, any number of the 25, you know, schools that are considered the, the upper echelon or whatever. Um, whereas at a Baylor, 
you know, you better have a dang good coach to bring in that talent and develop that talent and then spit out that talent and then to do it over and over again. So you throw a little monkey wrench in there and turn over staffs every three or four years like they were doing there for about a, a stretch. And, yeah, you're going to have six last year and you're going to have one guy this year and you're going to have maybe one next year, maybe three. Like, we d- we can't really know, but at a lot of places, you know, there's like five, six guys year in, year out. No and, matter what. And they're set up pretty well, yeah. Now, here's how here's what they said about each program. Baylor, I, I mentioned that. The, they took home the best at four-star U, which means that they have – they cultivated 38% of their four-star players got drafted. <clears throat> but pretty average elsewhere. On-the-field results have been impressive, though, with three different football coaches. Yeah, they don't really get five stars. Um, that three in this 11-year period. Yeah, yeah, and one was like Robbie Rhodes. And he was never did off. anything. Yeah. Um, one was Javante. Was Javante? No, he's a four-star. He was a four-star. What was Corey Coleman? He was a four-star. Okay. I'm trying to think. Who was the other two fives? Stidham? Stidham, yeah. he was Maybe? I think he was a – he was not a five on every service, I don't think. He was a four on one or two. He was not a undisputed five-star. Yeah. Robbie Rhodes for sure, and then Robbie Rhodes just eventually was asked to leave the campus because he couldn't stop well, from smoking pot. Yeah. Um, I'll have to look that up. I don't even remember. Because like, it okay. could have been like well, a Devin Duvernay who signed and then didn't even play. I, I don't remember the – Oh, no. How about the lineman from Silsby? Patrick Hudson. Patrick Hudson yeah. might have been uh, who went to Texas and they just. But I don't know if they count injury. those because those guys didn't That's even true. end up That's playing. True. All right, Iowa State Cyclones have enjoyed some on-field success, but only Kansas has been a worse place to develop in the NFL draft. ISU didn't meet the minimum thresholds to be ranked in the four and five star rate, but the three star rate was astoundingly low, based on what Matt Campbell has accomplished. One of the surprises from our data. Yeah, they don't put a ton of guys out there. They don't, and, uh, you know, part of that's just – that's kind of their history, but I think that was a really big deal. They had a first-rounder this year. That's a huge – especially when you look at that. I mean, to have a guy go in the first round with uh, Will McDonald is – I think I let, you know read the stat yesterday. It was the first time in, what, 50 years uh, or something like that that they, they've had somebody in the first round, so that's a, that's a huge deal for them. Stidham was, according to uh, an article okay. I just Googled it, a five-star player – out of Stephenville, Kansas. No Power 5 program has endured a more difficult decade than them, and the draft rate only offers more evidence of a reality anyone paying attention to college football could see. They do have – you think – what's Daniels – what's going to happen with the quarterback? Where's he going to be? I have, I need to see him play more. He, okay. All right. Well, that's, I mean, that's a he good played, point. He was good last year, but, I mean, then he was gone and didn't play forever, and, I mean, he's – He's a fun player, but I have no idea on how he stacks up as a prospect in the NFL or anything yeah, like that. I, mean, I don't like, know. I did see RG3 um, on, on his social media today, showed a clip. He, he said that, like, look, the the the, the prototypical quarterback, are cha- they're changing. You know, so, look, if Bryce Young is at 5'10 and can be the number one overall pick and mobile because he can make things happen, then I think – I think Daniels has a, a future in the NFL. He's, and he's very young, very he's, young. Yeah, but yeah. you know, we'll we'll see. Part of it is look, it's about durability. Bryce Young can have three great years and then wind up being a bust because you know he Gone. got hurt. You know yeah. because he's smaller. Uh, I I mean, someone compared Russell Wilson was thick and he, he had elusive. He was very elusive, very quick twitch. But Bryce Young's not as big. 
thickness wise as a Russell Not Wilson. Close. No, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And you know, look, Kyler Murray's issue uh, outside of his personality, I guess, is also look. That's a little dude, yeah. and the guys that the like they don't hire guys that are the same athlete to go chase you. They hire guys that are well, big, fast, strong athletes to go uh, chase you and throw you down. He's usually pretty good about protecting himself, and but, I don't know if this last year all went but, south. Yeah, I mean, he, he hurt it towards his ACL and missed the last yeah. four games of the season. And Don't forget those damn video games. Yeah. yeah um, he may have as a, as a matter of fact, a muscle in his thumb. You know, the, the way to, here's, here's how people around the league so far think of Kyler Murray right now going into to next year is that if you look at anybody who's done the like way too early mock draft, it's essentially just ranking the top 32 prospects. This. I said this, uh, sorry, but Connor Galvin was a first round pick on mock drafts last year. He just yeah. went undrafted. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's way too, but, but the one, the guy we probably know is going to be the first overall pick unless he, you know, forgets completely how to play football is going to be Caleb Williams. Without right. Question. And the Cardinals are, seen by most to maybe be the worst team going into next year. And that again, remains to be seen. And they have the Texans pick. Yeah. And they have the Texans pick and the Texans may not be that good, but Caleb Williams, if the people think that the Cardinals have the first pick in the draft, even after signing to Kyler Murray to an extension a year ago, less than it at this point, a year ago, they think that they'll take Caleb Williams and and replace him. So Kansas, uh, that's a great point. Kansas State, don't get too excited about the four- and five-star ratings um, because there's not really much to go off of, but well short of the ranking threshold for each. Wildcats had the lowest overall draft rate among the teams that won a conference title during the 11-year span. There's a bit of a caveat there. It's kind of a among the teams that have won the conference. So yeah, it's not as bad as it initially sounds. But uh, they're they're about to change. I think that uh, with the way that it's all setting up now under climate, that they're going to have. If we check back in no, in ten more years, then I think they'll be in a much different place. Uh, they had a heck of a draft, with, especially with the first round pick. Oklahoma failures with five stars surprising. Three of their twelve five stars were drafted especially considering how much the Sooners have dominated the Big 12. They're, again, we know the last couple of years, not so much. Their overall draft rate, very strong, more reflective of the success Bob Stoops and Lincoln Riley enjoyed in Norman, and now it's on the clock with Brent Venables. Oklahoma State, been one of the Big 12's best programs during the past decade, produced some stars, but overall fell far below what, we've done, what they've done in the win-loss column. TCU transitioned to the Big 12 during the span we examined, the 11 years, struggled to develop four stars, and were okay developing three stars. And see, that surprises me because I would think Baylor and TCU would have done really well in developing the three stars that they have. Yeah, but uh, I think TCU is getting a little tainted by this past year. Look at the several years. I mean, they, they beat Baylor on a regular basis, so we we think of them differently they wake in our up heads. They beat Baylor, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they do that right after they brush their teeth, but – you know, outside of that, what great success. I mean, like, they had the year with Boykin, but that was 2014. Like, yeah. that was a long time ago. Like, these last few years, they've not been defined by it, but, like, we think of them and their highlight is that they beat Baylor again, but you look at the rest of it, and it's not necessarily like just spitting out talent and winning tons of games. And I they, thought they've they won done five some of that. consecutive national titles because they've It's the way you yeah. feel like. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it's not quite yeah. that's really how it was. You went. Started to kind of creep in about Gary Patterson because clearly, like all these guys that were, I mean, we were talking Quentin Johnson, all the Max Duggan, all those guys were Gary Patterson recruits, but they were the guys that were going to the NFL from TCU. 
We're going to the NFL and getting, for the most part, better. Jalen Rager, not, notwithstanding, he didn't get his fifth-year option uh, picked up today, by the way. Um, but most of the guys, like you'd see guys go to the NFL and then get a little bit better and, and play a little bit more, and you're like, oh, man. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that means that yeah, why, are you, why are you losing? Like, if this guy's there, Dude, it was Josh Doxson, Trayvon Boykin. Like, a lot of the best players Jock, yeah. were not, no, yeah, not right. great pros. But, uh, you know, you know, there's there's two ways of that. Like you have guys who are going aren't aren't great pros, or the other side of it is the last few years of Bobby Bowden, um, where you knew that Bobby needed some help and to change things. Is he had guys go into the NFL and then they were better than they were in college, and you're like, well, why did you drop off? Because they were still getting these four and five star guys at FSU, but they weren't developing them in the same way, and. You know, that like, what's going on there? Well, that's when you need to bring in a Jimbo Fisher and get a new look at your offense because they were having guys go to the NFL and, and all of a sudden they're, holy cow, yeah, they're, they're, they're performing. Well, yeah, they were stud athletes who weren't being coached up the right way. Yeah, I mean, TC, if you look at their skit, I mean, they, they've done really well for themselves. But that 2014-15 run when them and Baylor were hot and heavy and then obviously all hell broke loose in Waco and that changed everything. But they <laughs> went from winning 10-plus games to then winning 6-16. Six and 16, And they bounced back and won 11 again in 17. But 18 through 21 until Patterson's firing, seven wins, five wins, six wins, five wins. So there's yeah. a four-year stretch where they were just kind of average uh, and – you know, not making bowl games two out of those four years. So I think that leads to some of those numbers there where earlier in the decade, picks wise, you're doing pretty, pretty well. And then maybe some of that, uh, that tapered off, but, um, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State's another team, too. They had a little run where they were putting dudes in the pros at a high clip, and then I think some of those guys washed out, and there was a little bit of steam lost uh, potentially there as well. That's, a, that's just been a funky program to try and put your finger on Oklahoma State. I mean, they played for a conference title just a couple of years ago. They're, and looked good doing it, yeah, too. Yeah, it looked really good and could have won it, but it's just it's hard to kind of pinpoint them. A couple of more schools. Uh, Texas, no one, this is according to theathletic.com, Paxton will be interested to hear if Sandra Green's out there, what she has to say, too. No one has who has watched the past decade of Texas football could be surprised. The Longhorns were neck and neck with Oregon and Tennessee as the program that squandered the most talent during the span we examined. The 11 years, Horn's three-star rate is maybe the most troublesome number when you compare it to the rate of most Blue Blood programs. Texas Tech, recruited in West Texas, has always been difficult Red Raiders, 15 players drafted over 11 years. We examined six were drafted in either the sixth or seventh round. Of course, they had Tyree Wilson this year. And West Virginia has been relatively nondescript during the past decade. Mountaineers didn't crack the top or bottom 10 in either the hits or the misses category. Texas is kind of like that friend you have that, like, loses money and then somehow still has money. Like, they, like, how did you get all that? What a great way to go to Vegas, huh? Like, you know, like, you you don't know how they, like, make bad business decisions but still have money. Um, That's that's been Texas. Like, how do you have all this and then wind up with nothing and then all of a sudden you're still still in the game a little bit? Um, It is, it is... um, it just topped out, and this is maybe neither here nor there, but the way that when you describe Texas Tech and that recruiting to West Texas has always been hard, that's what you hear about Tech all the time, and that's what the perception is. And I wonder why, I mean, look, I, you know, 
Smokey, you and I were in West Texas six months ago, and I was miserable for for forty eight hours. But because it was just the way to travel. <laughs> but man. but it's not. It's like you go, and it's it's hard to like maybe harder there than to recruit to most remote places. But I still don't think that they have it worse than most other places. They don't, dude. I've been. I've lived you know, out there. It's not that bad. It's just getting exactly. out there. It's just all it is. All it is is getting out there. Once you get out there, because six plus hours in a car is not fun. But once you get out there. You're not leaving for a while, probably, unless you live in Dallas, like a lot of their students do, or in Fort Worth. So that's not that's a more manageable drive. It's not really that big of a deal. It's like three or something yeah, like but, that. But coming from basically everywhere else in the state, it's like five, six, seven, eight hours. But once you get out there, it's a it's a fine, yeah. more than fine place. But you know, there are other places. Like is Lubbock more remote than Ames, Iowa? You know, oh, or oh, yeah. you know, like. I mean, it, look, no, it's, it's not. It's not. No. It's just. No. It is. And look, I, it's I think a stereotype. Course, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ames is not far from Des Moines, which is not Dallas, Fort Worth, which is where Lubbock is closest to. But uh, you could fly into Des Moines and drive real quickly to Ames. That's one of the issues that Lub- Lubbock's fine. I just think sometimes people just say that, and it's fine. I've been out there to visit Craig and Jennifer. Uh, it, it, it's it, once you're there, and, and and the culture there, and the the the, the loyalty there. Well. Here's the other thing. That's and there's pro- some damn good high school football out in West Texas, well, too. The, and, and look, they have an airport in Lubbock, correct? Yeah. yeah it's okay. a nice to one. Dallas. They, you get yeah, there in 45 they have minutes an airport, Right? So um, eventually that's going to be because flights are, are, for the most part, easier now yeah. to navigate. It's supposed to, like, you know, don't get me on the scheduling, but, like, you can find good deals on flights from Dallas to Lubbock. They're there. Uh, and so if you're really worried about it, you can do it. Houston to Lubbock, you can get flights. So... Um, much like, look, one of the things Matt Rule did in Lincoln, another place that's remote, right? Kim Coulter, I fly direct from to Lubbock from Arizona. Give me a break. That's exactly, what we were talking e- about. Yeah. Exactly. What did Matt? He Rule did not t- like the way we said remote. No, I, I was using that as a you know a comparative term. Right. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, it's not re- like especially not remote in the modern sense of you're not driving 45 miles an hour through little towns anymore either. You've got interstates and all that. So it's not that bad. Look, Lincoln's Lincoln is out in the middle of nowhere yep. compared to everywhere else, right? It's uh, a little bit away from Omaha, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean like comparatively to to everything else, you know, what what states border Nebraska? Do any vacation states border Nebraska really? No. You know, but they've had areas where they gotten people there, and Matt Rule made sure that guess what? Now that you can added some flights added some from flights. areas in Texas. Yeah, yeah. Kim Coulter's pissed at you about uh, uh, you make you call it remote. Yeah, I mean, like what? I mean, mother of God, he said, release the K Coulter. I mean, I I don't think saying it's remote's all that off yeah. actually and i don't think it's really an insult i mean yeah. it is it is kind of an i always considered when i was out there to be on a little bit of an island because everything i'd want to go to is at least two plus hours away uh so for me it was pretty remote because i knew once i got out there i wasn't leaving for a while uh yeah. you know it was like christmas break and summer break and that's pretty much when i was probably leaving but i mean i it's been a while okay so. i've been to like lubbock and stillwater they're not a difference yeah. like you know the most remote I would think city in the Big Twelve maybe Morgantown. Yeah, but they're right next to Pittsburgh. So. Yeah, but still, yeah. I, I think it's it's probably something you got to know what you're doing. Other five star recruit for Baylor, Katie Cannon. Yeah, I was going to get to that. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Yep. All right, yeah, Katie, Katie Cannon, Cannon yep. and Robbie Rhodes, uh, both of them wide receivers in the Jared Stidham. Depends on which site you're looking at. Was also a five star player. All right, when we come back, Craig Smoke. And off the radar, hope you're doing well. And uh, 
We appreciate you every day, the time you give us. And this is 365 Sports. Marco's Pizza. Pizza lovers get it. They have the ultimate Magnifico pizzas. They have the ultimate pepperoni Magnifico. And they also have the sausage Magnifico. And now they have the ultimate Magnifico, which is pepperoni and sausage, just everywhere you want on top of your pot, on top of your pizza. They have uh, the code word, by the way, new mag for $12.99 is where that starts. And maybe you want even more. I love the pepperoni and, and, and Italian sausage pizza. Unlimited medium, one topping, $7.99 a piece. $3 off large specialty pizzas. Uh, order now. Go and use the code word special three. There are five Marcos locations in Waco, in the Waco area. Woodway, Hewitt, Robinson, China Spring, and Bell Mead. There were none just a handful of years ago, and Bob Mock has built that up. He's been in the pizza business a long, long time, and he's done a great job of adding five Marcos pizzas to the area here in Waco, Texas. Marcos Pizza. Pizza lovers get it. It's the season at Allen Samuels in Waco to find the vehicle that's right for you. Get amazing deals on new Ram trucks, Jeep SUVs, Chrysler sedans, and minivans, or a sporty Dodge. At Allen Samuels, we're committed to taking care of our customers, and that means having as much new inventory on hand for you to choose from. Of course, if we don't have exactly what you want in stock, we can help you build the custom car, truck, SUV, or van of your dreams. And order it today. Shop AllenSamuelsDCJ.com or come in to see us today at Allen Samuels in Waco. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254-759-8533. Edward Jones, member SI. PC. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone-in ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef and chicken fajitas and always large briskets available plus fresh vegetables so the great product customer service and family tradition of the bauer family continues at waco custom marketplace open monday through saturday a full service butcher shop and bakery available waco custom marketplace 425 lake air drive in waco or waco custom marketplace.com 
Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micromarket vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micromarket vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, 6900 Imperial Drive in Waco or online at AutomaticChefCanteen.com. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. This is Craig Smokes Off the Radar, presented by Alliance Bank. They take pride in making banking easy, AllianceBankTexas.com. All right, uh, who's going to blow it out? You are. It's your All birthday. Right, let me do that. Craig's got off the radar. Hold on just a second. That's a wall. This is not I safe. I cannot do this. Snoop Dogg sitting over here. Yeah. Also, also, um, Smokey has more paper around yeah. here than you would possibly imagine. This was not. That was not safe. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate Those it. Those were lit for all cake. of, what, 15 seconds before <laughs> yeah. he blew them out? Um, yeah. Coming back from well, break. It, I mean, it would have been a disaster had we got another yeah. 30 seconds. Yeah. Well, and I only got a third of the candles, too. And I want to so. and I want to eat it, so that's I, we're done with it. Now we can eat. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, this is off the radar. That was certainly an off-the-radar moment for the show. Uh, not... Uh, not uh, every day we get to blow out the candles. Although it seems like every other week we got a birthday, it does. But yeah. uh, we will never complain about cookie cake. So there was something a little off the radar for you as far as the sports world is concerned. I don't have a, a large list uh, this week, I think, with post-draft and uh, now into the NBA playoffs. Uh, a lot of the postseason is the focus now, NHL as well. So I have a list of the uh, games coming up tonight. But uh, there is some ratings talk, and I do like to bring that up on occasion. Uh We've got uh, some revised data when it comes to one of the most watched events ever, and now it is the most watched telecast ever. Uh, I don't know what you guys are expecting with Chiefs and Eagles in the Super Bowl, but I kind of seem to remember that even though this very large number uh, came out, that it wasn't like this historic and you're like, oh my gosh, they had so many different eyeballs and blah, blah, blah. It wasn't necessarily a, a record, which was, I don't know, just kind of surprising because it felt like that was probably the next game to, to you know, to, to get the most watched audience, but it was, it was below that. However, now 
that uh, there's been some revised data. Ratings agency Nielsen has come out and said that the 38-35 Chiefs Super Bowl victory over Philadelphia back in February actually drew an average of a little over 115 million viewers, 115.1, so like I said, a little bit over. Uh, But across all platforms, 115 plus million viewers, that is 2 million more, just about 2 million more than what they actually announced in the beginning. So that does this game does surpass the record set in 2015 of 114.4 million who watched the Patriots beat the Seahawks uh, in that Super Bowl, which I believe would have been, what, 39? Uh, the next highest, Super Bowl 51 in 2017, Patriots and Falcons had been viewed by 113.7 million. So we got a new... Ratings King, and it is this past year's Super Bowl most watched telecast ever in the United States, as far as U.S. based telecasts go. Most ever, new king on top. Uh, and the Chiefs, of course, the King of Kings, because they also won that game in the Super Bowl. So there you go. A little ratings update, and that Super Bowl was historic. That scene at the NFL draft in Kansas City, especially on the opening night, and even as it went on, they, what a great fan base. Not that it, any fan base had just come off a Super Bowl and was hosting the draft. It would be packed in other places. But that was such an incredible – and Kansas City's not a major – you don't think of them as L.A., New York, Boston, Chicago. But their their fan base is rabid. And Mahomes bringing the eyeballs. Uh, it was a great matchup. Philadelphia, of course, a huge, huge ratings town. But that's that's – that's not a surprise. They just print money in the NFL. No, and you you know you could be a total skeptic and go like, how are they changing the numbers after the fact? Are they playing funny numbers and things like that? But uh, Nielsen said uh, that there was a potential data irregularity that was identified by the NFL, and they notified the Nielsen agency and uh, and told them uh, and explained why they felt like there was. Uh, you know, something that wasn't quite right with the numbers. Nielsen did a review of it, and they revealed irregularities in the encoding that enables Nielsen's measurement of TV viewing as well as in the measurement of out-of-home viewing. And I know, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. You know, like, the nerds will love that. But uh, Super Bowl uh, was at 50, what are we on, 57? Was that the one we just hit, 57, most watched? I'm starting to get confused because that yeah. L. US, that L throws me off. Well, right? L means 50. I know, I know. Uh, so, yeah, 57, most watched U.S.-based telecast ever. Um, all right, a uh, few other notes. Uh, I mentioned got schedules tonight uh, in both the NHL and in the NBA. Uh, last night had a... A one-game matchup as the New York Rangers beat the New Jersey Devils in Game Seven. So the Rangers, or excuse me, the Devils beat the Rangers four nothing. So the Devils, after the win at home, advance and win that series four games to three. But coming up tonight, got a couple of Game Ones out of the East, and this is second-round action. Now you've got the Florida Panthers at the Toronto Maple Leafs. That will tip off at uh, six o'clock on ESPN and all times Central on this talk show and then in the nightcap you'll have the kraken the seattle kraken at the dallas stars and the american airlines center 8 30 face off i said tip off face off for that one also on espn so an espn nhl doubleheader in east and west second round game one and how are you feeling about the dallas stars Ooh. garrett i am pumped um, the door opened up a little wider for them, didn't it? It did. Uh, I, I really like right now, if you look at across the NHL, I think Jake Ottinger is the best goalie um, out there. Um, now, it's going to be difficult if 
Edmonton can get past the Golden Knights at Vegas, I think that's going to be a difficult matchup for Dallas. I like what they can do against the Kraken, uh, and I really believe that they have a nice avenue to make it to the Stanley Cup championship. Kraken, what a Kraken. You know what? I love it because it's so unique. It doesn't have an S at the end of it. Yep. And, uh, you know, like Stanford Cardinal. I just have always liked it. And they're new. And they're new. Yeah, like, they're, they're they're new. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, they're new. I yeah, I think it's it, it, that's pretty exciting. I wonder um, how long before uh, we go to war with Canada if, if our country keeps winning Stanley Cups. <laughs> how long <laughs> do we win the war against Canada? Yeah, you mean? I mean, like, but I mean, before they revolt, like, look, we had a politician here in Texas who was running for office and, and didn't win, and you could tell by his commercials because he was a buffoon. But he had this commercial that ran. And he said, Florida's kicking Texas butts, and the Bucks are winning the Super Bowl. If you elect me, Governor, the Cowboys will win the Super Bowl, which I don't know how he could make that happen. No, because God no. sure hasn't even helped no, make I that mean, happen. Like, yeah. I mean, so um, I don't know how he could make that happen, but that might be the turn in Canada where, like, Justin Trudeau could get in trouble because he's like, look, Stanley, like, Canada hasn't won a Stanley Cup in forever, and nothing's changing. So uh, it, Toronto that has playing, to drive them to, Toronto, look, Toronto playing the Panthers, who were who were the, the the lowest seed in the East. Like they have to like get a little confidence here. I don't know, man. I think Florida will take Toronto. I, yeah. I, Matthews is Austin Matthews is really good, but I think that the kind of having history stumble. I think they're going to stumble over history because Florida's a really solid team. Mm. It would be cool to see an American lead the Canadian yeah. team to a Stanley Cup though with Austin <laughs> Matthews. Uh, but, yeah, that's uh, tonight. Maple Leafs hosting the Panthers at 6. Uh, Stars hosting the Kraken at 8.30. Again, all-time central. And, if anything, I, I, I think it would be worthwhile to at least check out the beginning of that Toronto game just to see what that atmosphere is like because I would imagine uh, that with the, you know, with them celebrating, you know, uncharted territory for the first time in quite some time, making it to the the next round uh, is is going to be a fun fun showing uh, tonight in uh, in the city of Toronto. At least if you're going to lose Canada, I think they're fine if Chicago or Washington are a place where there's naturally occurring ice. But losing to teams where the the ice doesn't really happen all that much, and if it does, it's only there for like a day. Like yeah. that's got to nobody. Nobody in Florida or Texas or Arizona has grown up skating on a lake. No one's done that. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, yeah, you got to go to a mall that has a skating rink or something mm-hmm. like that, but no lake. Yeah. So in terms of uh, some ratings from the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, just wanted to make mention of one game: the Boston Bruins and the Florida Panthers. As we know how that went, uh, but that game seven, Florida winning that one, averaged three point one million viewers on TNT, and that's just what numbers or whatever but it's notable because it's the largest first round cable audience on record for the nhl going back to just 1994 but still that's over what 20 we're looking at 30 years uh close to 30 years 94 28 years yeah 29 so we're almost hitting 30 years there the previous high was a game seven from just last year featuring the penguins and the rangers but now the new record uh 3.1 million on tnt largest first round cable audience for Game 7, Panthers over the uh, Bruins. And that really puts uh, hockey's kind of place in perspective, too, though we're talking about college football ratings and, like, Bama and them are drawing, like, yep. 11 million viewers or whatever. But that's a healthy number. Uh, speaking of which, uh, NBA playoffs continuing on. 
uh, as well. And uh, they've hit some some new highs. A 24-year high for the final of the Warriors and Kings. That Game 7 hitting nearly 10 million viewers. Most watched first-round game in 24 years. Uh, the Game 7 between the, the Warriors and the Kings. Uh, 9.8 there. First-round games uh, averaged around 3.4 million viewers, which is the most in nearly 10 years. And it was like the tops of, of every chart uh, as far as TV listings go. Uh, pretty much all the way across the board. And uh, later on tonight, uh, we'll have some more uh, NBA action uh, going on. Game two of the Eastern Semis, the Heat up one game to nothing at New York. So the Heat and Knicks at MSG, 630 on TNT for that one. And then the game one Western Semifinals getting underway. Those same Warriors at home and welcoming in LeBron and the Lakers at 9 o'clock. So uh, double whammy there of Heat at MSG, which will be cool because of that backdrop. And we know just the fervor. You talk about the Canadian hockey teams. I mean, that's the same, I would think, for Knicks fans and, and their desperate desire to get a championship in, in New York, especially in hoops. Uh, but Lakers-Warriors, that's, that's going to be – uh, you know, filled with headliners as well. So that should be a, a fun deal yeah. later on tonight. Last year, the Knicks won. What was the last year they won? It was in the 70s, right? I think it might have been 72 or so. Yeah. 72 would have been the Lakers. It was Willis Reed. Yeah. yeah he, uh, that, Bill, that famous Senator game. Senator Bill Bradley was on yeah. that team. DeBusher, Bill Jackson was on that team. Earl Monroe, Dave DeBusher, Bill Bradley, uh, Walt Frazier. 73. Yeah, 73. And um, there's a couple of others. But, yeah, they had – that was they were solid, really good. Willis All right, Reed. Name, I mean, the, name those off again. All right, Dave DeBusher, Bill Bradley, Earl Monroe, yeah, Walt Frazier, Willis Reed, and Phil Jackson. Yeah, I think Phil might Jackson, have been on yeah. that team. Missing one name. Yeah. I'm missing one name. Ay ay ay. I don't know. Jerry Lucas. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wasn't I mean, he a governor hit, or something like that? Or them, senator? Yeah, Jerry, all the rest of them. From Ohio State, one of the great players, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Bill Bradley. I can't well, tell you five players on any uh, NBA team Bill, right now, and I do the Bill Bradley next. ran for vice president without Gore, actually. Yeah. Uh, okay. But, uh, yeah, the, the, uh, the Knicks, I can't wait for the Knicks to actually win a title. Uh, and have the parade where James Dolan's band headlines and like, yeah. <laughs> and he, he's like conceited enough to be like, okay, we're going to headline. Bruce Springsteen will be opening for me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? We'll be on after the boss. So uh, yeah, that, that, that would not surprise me at all. Actually, uh, prior to the games though. And of course, uh, as I mentioned, the heat and Knicks game is the, the first one that tips at six thirty. but prior to that at six o'clock. So right as we're wrapping up here, uh, they will announce the Kia NBA Most Valuable Player uh, on TNT. And, Jokic, you think? Uh, there's well, there here's the finalist: uh, Jokic uh, from uh, Denver, Joel Embiid from Philadelphia, and Giannis Antetokounmpo from the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, those are your three finalists, and yeah, I think uh, I think you might be right there. The Joker. The problem with that, just like Giannis and, and others, just like with you know back in the day of Jordan, is that there gets to be kind of a um, well, take that back. Embiid's the overwhelming favorite. I now, would think, so no, I, I saw where he was. And now you wonder if there's a little bit of what's the word when you're tired of something? You get fatigued, worn, fatigue on uh, Jokic. You, you wonder if there's fatigue on him. Why would there be? If he's the best player, votes for him. But Embiid had a huge, huge year, and he's been really, really good. Remember, they used to be the one about trust the process. He's the guy that now may eventually own the Washington NFL team, Harris, and all that. They kept saying that. 
Joel Embiid is a, a, just a fantastic player. If he wins it, I'll be thrilled for him. He didn't even play yeah, he's game the, one, and they won. Yeah, he's the odds-on favorite uh, based on when I last – I hadn't checked in on that in a while. I think the last time I checked, and then, yeah, it might have been different, and, and Jokic might have been the uh, the favorite at that point. But right now, it is, is very clearly Joel Embiid. So we'll see that uh, here in about an hour from now for those that are interested in such a thing. So really a lot of the uh, the outside the – the frame headlines uh, have to do with, you know, what's already gone on as far as TV ratings, but also uh, what's going on later tonight. We already touched on the college football playoff, but I will also add uh, the Packers agreeing to a one-year extension with quarterback Jordan Love, $22.5 million for the Green Bay quarterback. Thirteen and a half of that will be fully guaranteed and uh, they went that route rather than uh, picking up just the, the fifth year option it just generally um, they had declined to do that so um, they are paying Jordan Love some pretty nice money and uh, I guess crossing their fingers and hoping that this will be the guy for the foreseeable future but as we know there's some pretty good quarterbacks that will be coming out next year regardless so uh, we'll see on on Jordan Love but it's his time to shine he's got the, the bucks in his pocket and uh, we'll see what he does with it I think he'll be fine That'd be all right. He's not going to be Aaron Rodgers. That's, That's the thing is who you're, being, who you're following is pretty I, big shoes. I really want him to succeed. I've always loved watching Rodgers play, whether or not I, I'm okay with his personality. I know people get put off by that. He's just a strange duck, but he's I a think, great. I, I want Jordan Love to do well just because of what he has to deal with in replacing uh, Rodgers, who did really, really well replacing Brett Favre. I think that Packers fan, like, Packers fans are put off by Aaron Rodgers' personality because it's affected them very personally the last couple of years. I got a frog. What's wrong in my with throat. your voice? I got a little frog in my throat. Just stop! Don't say anything. And yeah. You're, you're going. Craig almost yesterday had an allergy no. uh, seizure. And by the way, thanks to what was it, Glenn or who what was that contacted me last night and gave Craig a little bit of a formula. Ra- to, Raymond. 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 Raymond is great. Gave us a little bit of tip on how to ha- handle that allergy issue. All yeah. Right. So. Um, like I said, Jordan Love, I think we can kind of close it out there because it's just after 5 o'clock. That was uh, the big news, at least contract-wise. Uh, there was, a, a, a though, a, a, some movement. Um, and I guess I'll – I don't really want to close out with such a sad story. But Henry Ruggs of the Raiders, yeah. you guys remember him. Yes. Uh, he took a plea deal. He's uh, receiving his prison sentence. And I hadn't seen it last word, um, if there was anything official on that. But he did uh, take a plea deal and admitted – Three to ten. Three to, so the no, not an official official number though. Yeah, but okay, because yeah, we'll yeah, just kind of see how it goes. Yeah. Or good behavior and all of that. But yeah, uh, three to ten years was what he was looking at facing, which could have been so much worse without the plea deal. I mean, probably I would think was looking at life mm-hmm. um, without that. I mean, given the, a while. the grave situation that 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 was. Um, so yeah, I didn't really want to end on that sour of a note, but. Uh, we'll see. Three to ten is what he is going to be facing, and depending on how short that is, um, you know, if it's three years, and I hated seeing this, but I know it's just natural for people. Uh, they saw that headline and immediately like, well, he could get back and play, and you know, if it's three, and you know what? Technically, they're right. He's yeah. twenty-four years old, so in theory, if he gets the shorter end of the sentence, does well, and, and gets out of there and cleans up, he could come back and play football. He would only be twenty-seven, twenty-eight years old, but. Who was the That's guy, a long way down the road. Who was the guy that played with the Rams? Uh, who had a, was it a? Um, I don't know what it, a little. Didn't he have didn't Leonard he, Little? Le- Leonard Little ended up playing quite a bit. He didn't really. He's go not to the prison only one. No. Long, 
No. Um, so, yeah, we will see on Henry Ruggs. And then, yeah, final note. Uh, Jack McKenzie has this story in our Sikkim 365 forums. Adam Flagler invited to the NBA Combine. So that is now official that he will be heading to uh, finish out the NBA draft process. And uh, there you see a little bit of uh, one of what will be many write-ups on him uh, from John Chepkevich. So appreciate that look in on at least one person's opinion. There will be dozens of others uh, during this process. But good luck to Adam Flagler. Uh, he was a great player, fun guy to watch, and a lot of people I know around here like him, and so best of luck to him. But uh, good that he's getting that official combine invite. Yeah. All right. Uh, by the way, we have uh, three Super Chats before we, we hit the break. Um, Katie Raiders. Big boy. Yes. Right? Um, and Kim Coulter, 1999. Okay, I'm come again. Happy birthday from one, one old coot to another. Kim uh, Coulter's was not to you. That was not to you. <laughs> no, it's he, not. And then uh, Elias Gray, happy birthday. You do a great job. But beyond that, you you all probably do the most professional college football-centric show on YouTube. Wow, Respect. Thank you. Any opinions on the betting issue with Bama baseball? Did you guys hear about that? Yeah, well, wasn't it from a different so, state? Yeah, so people... Well, thank you to Elias, thank you to Katie, and thank you to Kim. Yeah, we appreciate, really appreciate the super chat. So in Ohio, uh, Sportsbooks in Ohio... Uh, detected a betting irregularity with Bama versus LSU baseball and shut down taking all bets on that game because uh, an oversight group found it. Um, it's pretty interesting. I- I'm I'm very interested to see how it develops and what the cause the irregularity and how they investigate it and how the SEC responds to it. This is going to be like there are several issues at play here. The fact that a watchdog group had to do this is a problem because there's no federal regulatory rules on this uh so a watchdog group had to catch it so they they probably do a really good job but they can't be everywhere all at once uh when this thing goes nationwide are they going to have a federal regulatory group that what is it called a federal a federal regulatory group thank you okay. for correcting me federal regulatory group that looks over this and um what is going on that it triggered it so there's so much yeah. well, they, intrigue here, and what does this mean for the future of sports betting when it comes to college athletics? Yeah, I don't know. I was trying to find more details, this write-up that I came across, because that's, that's, I hadn't heard much about that, actually. Um, but there was a moment in the game where they caught on to some suspicious activity, and that got flagged. But I, I, I'm seeking like what what created that, uh, that potentially, that, that suspicious activity, um, and then what followed that. But, yeah, no, that's, that's an interesting story. I mean, this is get ready, buckle up, because there's going to be a lot more of those, I would imagine. Uh, I would think that that's probably the type of story that becomes uh, almost yearly uh, somewhere at some institution across the country, whether it's Bama or uh, any other number of places. Uh, that's, that's just the reality with sports betting taking over as much as it is, and you – add in college kids and the amount of people who are looking to make money off people. And yeah, that's interesting. That's something they're going to have to be very, very on the ball with. Isn't it interesting? They were able to detect it. I mean, now with yeah, all of what you can do for yeah. more info on like how, how that off. Cause I'm just interested in general on how that all works. But. All right. When we come back, Craig, that it. Yeah, that's uh, that's everything off the radar, and appreciate those super chats. That as well. might be the biggest three chunks of super chats we've had in, in, in consecutive seconds. It seems. Thank you so much for that. We appreciate you being on the chat, watching us. Those who never even participate in that, because once you go in there, you're done. Once you go in the chat, you're 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 stuck. Okay, okay right? I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll tell you what happened on this. So most of the time, you know, I'm sure that college baseball betting is not 
huge. You know, people will bet on anything that it can bet on, but there was a large bet that involved LSU-Alabama baseball game, a straight-up money line bet, and one was a parlay, which involved LSU-Alabama, and they came in right next to each other. So that was suspicious because it wasn't wasn't normally – you know, when people call them sports books, they don't tell me, hey, what do you got on LSU Alabama baseball? Doesn't happen that often. You know, college college baseball will get bet on, but nothing like nothing like the NBA playoffs, which right now, you know, every bookie in is taking bets on that right now. So All right. They're interesting as heck. Uh by the way, yesterday we had the story about Houston gonna play a basketball game in Mexico. Come back with a couple of notes on that. And one of our viewers, CFB Plus, who's in the chat room, sent a, an image on the SEC, we're going to break down how come or who has been feeding more or around half of those 900 and some or whoever players were that have been drafted in the NFL uh, since that back in the early to mid-2000s. That's next. We appreciate you do that, CFB+. Plus. This is 365 Sports. City of Woodway. Uh, they had the big event to open up and, I guess, uh, reopened the grand opening of the Carling Bright Arboretum. It's fantastic. And what happened was a great crowd, a lot of people there. The weather was fantastic, as you would expect, and so very happy for them. They have been working on a lot of different uh, buildings and more in that area, in the Woodway area. So now that event's gone, and now there's the mother and daughter brunch at the pavilion at the Arboretum. So here's what you have there. May 13th from 11 until 1.30, moms, daughters, grandmothers, and all the special women a little girl's life can enjoy an afternoon of brunch, activities, crafts, music, and more inside the pavilion at the Carling Bright Arboretum. It's May 13th from 11 a.m. to 1.30. Tickets are $35 apiece. If you want more information, and by the way, get your tickets before they go because this is an incredibly popular event in Woodway, and for anywhere, wherever you might live, you want to get online, discoverwoodway.com. May 13th, the moms, daughters, grandmothers, and special women of a little girl's life, mother-daughter brunch at the Carlene Bright Arboretum in Woodway. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Richard Carr is loaded with GMC Sierra trucks. Make your best deal in years. Step up to premium grade GMC Sierra and save thousands at Richard Carr. Right now, qualified buyers get 2.9% financing and 3,000 savings on most new 2023 GMC Sierra SLE SLT 1500s in stock. Call now, get here now, or log on to richardcar.com and drive home your new GMC Sierra today. See dealer for details. Richard Carr, they have the truck for you. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is premier elite life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers over 40 group exercise classes each week, including boot camp, indoor cycling, and more. If you haven't been there in quite some time, you're missing out on the improvements for our members. New flooring in the weight room and locker room, new paint and mirrors added in the weight room and group exercise room, with more new machines arriving over the next few months. New free weights, weight machines, t 
TRX rowing machines, stationary bikes, new treadmills, new elliptical machines on spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, and Alex Botch, where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow. There's sauna, whirlpool, tanning bed, and kids club. The amenities are great. 16 tennis courts plus an 1,100-seat stadium court, eight pickleball courts, youth and adult tennis and pickleball lessons. Visit our website, wacotennis.com, or visit Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or chief sunglasses. When it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Cam Heathcott, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why we take the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Cam Heathcott in Conroe at 936-756-7717. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Ben Erlinson, who'll navigate you through today's financial climate. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. 365 Sports, we'll have Hall of Famer John McClain at the bottom of the hour, and then Paul's top five at around 5.50. A lot of discussion of late, after Kim Coulter has finally calmed down from Paul's comments about remote and Lubbock, that uh, there's conversations about the quarterbacks and Penix and Sam Hartman and who they are, along with what they've done compared to Quinn Ewers, who's trying to find his mark, and, of course, then you have Caleb Williams in uh, May at North Carolina. You know, if it was Jordan Travis, Jordan yeah. Travis, FSU. If it came down to me picking Hartman over, I mean, there's not many guys I would want over Sam Hartman just because the dude's the dude knows how to win games. He just does. He's, he's super savvy, you know, really, um, you know, and he really commanded that, that very unique offense that they had at Wake Forest really well. I think he'll be fantastic in Notre Dame. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch him, but yeah, you're you're not gonna get me like. There's not many guys I would say okay. You have to have this guy or Sam Hartman, same talent around him. You just swap him out. Like yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't be Caleb Williams, um, or maybe Drake May, but I might even take him over a guy I I love like a son in Jordan Travis, uh, but yeah, it's about he's, that same age. As he's when beat, you look, said you had he, one. He beat he beat him. He beat him this year. So. 
that 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 says something to me. Uh, and yeah, I, I think that Cam you, Rising. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was, there's not many. Jaden Daniels, LSU, who had a, a really nice year. Obviously, we mentioned Daniels at Kansas too. And Drake May's a guy that we brought up yesterday with uh, Dame Brugler's early mock draft with Caleb one and May. I think went was going in number four. So we did mention that for 17 consecutive years, I, I, you know, you think there was maybe a hiccup in there somewhere. 17 consecutive years, the SEC has had more players drafted in the NFL draft. Not 15 of 17, 17 consecutive years. Somebody in the chat room then said, all right, before you put that up, Garrett, they have 14 teams now, right? 12, about to have 14. But, all right. No, 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 no. They're about to go to 16, right? Who, the Big 12? SEC. No, SEC. SEC, 16. Okay, 14 14 now, now, about to go to 16. But how many of those 900-and-something players came from the mega runs of LSU, Florida, Georgia, and Alabama? How many would you think of the 900-and-some players in that seven? Most of them. We count Auburn, too? Nope. Okay. Um, I'd say well over 50%. Yeah. All, right. All right, here we go. Here's the graphic. CFP, thank you very much. Put it up. 49.8%. Wow. But I mean, 50% of those 921 are from the logos to the right. Alabama's won a bunch of national mean- titles. Georgia's won two straight. LSU's won a handful, and Florida did two back when they had Urban Meyer. Yeah. You mean the four of the five schools that have actually won the national championship in that conference? Auburn is in there. Yeah. Right. But those are the other yeah. ones that have no, won. No, they're the ones that won that are in that yeah. stretch. Yeah. Because, look, A&M, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt. South Carolina. South Carolina. Mississippi State. Yeah. Tennessee. Arkansas. Tennessee is not in that because no. they won in 98. I nope. mean, they're, they're the other team that's won. But all those other schools haven't won, and, and not, especially not recently. I mean, yeah, that's, I think it's, uh, I've said time and again, the ESPN could have positioned the conference as well as it wanted to and thrown fine bomb all over TV or, you know, game of the week. And it could, they could have dressed it up as much as they want to. If those teams go, don't go out and win multiple national titles, it doesn't matter. But when you're telling people this is the best league, this is the best brand, and you're going out and you watch the NFL draft and that's basically what you're seeing, that wins you over. But if they're not winning national titles, it doesn't matter the way that it matters now. It the reason why that all worked was because five teams went out and won national titles, and some of them went out and won more than one, and they did it all within a 20-year stretch. Yep. And basically all back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back with, like, what, three interruptions the entire two decades that was ongoing where you had Clemson pop up. Uh, you had, gosh, who else? Florida and, State uh, in 13. USC uh, early on. Uh, Florida State. Is there anybody uh, else? LSU won it in 03. That but was that's Ohio State. State. That, that, Ohio it, State. Thank you. Yes, Ohio State. Yeah, I don't, I don't need – we know LSU won, but right. I'm saying like who – No, not, Clemson twice. Right. You mentioned them. Ohio State, Florida State, and no one else. And that's it. That's it. That's Since 2000 years. 2006, that's the run. And LSU, of course, even won it two years prior to that, two, three years prior to that, with Mockett quarterback in 03. Why are you starting at 06? LSU won before that. They won. That's what I just said. 
Right, since but I'm 2006. Saying, that's the 17 years that they're talking about with okay. the draft. That's well, I'm talking. I'm, I'm t- my, what I've been talking about is the two decades starting in the 2000s, like when they they've been on that run ever since. That's what I'm speaking of. Because yeah, like the 17, I understand, but LSU kickstarted that bad boy and they beat Oklahoma in 03. That's, that's when the whole SEC run started. That's that's prior to 17 years ago, but that's when the whole thing began, um, and then. Everybody else followed suit shortly thereafter, and it's it's been what it's become. But, yeah, if they're not winning every other national title or every national title, if in the meantime Texas is winning a couple, Oklahoma wins like just one, for God's sakes, since 2000 with all of their opportunities, but no, um, then the recruiting rankings look a little bit different yeah. because all of a sudden the Big 12 doesn't look so bad or the ACC looks better because Miami and Florida State and Clemson, you know, like the more the merrier. So to have five teams and multiple wins for some of them versus others who have been completely blacked out during that 20-plus year stretch or even the 17-year stretch, that's how you establish uh, yourself. LSU won it in 03. They split it with USC. It took the great type of USC run – and UT with Vince Young to interrupt LSU after they won it in 03. And then since that time, it was those schools you mentioned. It's amazing to think it's been five years since Dabo and Clemson won a national title. Would, would you like Seems to, like it was just a couple years ago. Would you like to know the two worst football seasons of my life? Uh, 96? No. 2005 and 2006, back-to-back. I could not enjoy Watching great that great like, Gators teams. God, just, man. Well, Tebow, 2005 was so classy Texas, too. And then 08, 08 was, was worse than 06 because that's where you got like Tom Brenneman um, absolutely uh, orally fellating uh, Tim Tebow on the air. Uh, Can you describe what you're talking about? Uh Oh, this, this this kid's amazing. He's not. He's the What's greatest person with, ever. He, he, yeah, he but might, like I've seen him walk on water. Okay, that, he's a fraud. Yeah. So thank you, Garrett. Good deal. Boy, okay, the bitterness one, of what Tebow and the Gators did. Oh yeah. I mean, look, that that is ninety seven percent of what's going on with me. I think it's amazing they did it in spite of some bad apples like Aaron Hernandez. Yo, it, look, it look it really it really is. It is <laughs> the sales job that Urban Meyer did on that team of he was. That was when he said, we want the top 1% of the top 1%, not just players, but character guys. And he said that having Aaron Hernandez on All his right. roster. Listen, Nebraska was the elite program for most of the 90s, right? I know Florida State was there, and, and there were a couple of others. They had Lawrence frickin' Phillips. Mm-hmm. He killed somebody. Basically tried to beat up, beat up a woman. So I'm of the belief it is hard to win a national title without having a couple of just idiots on your team that p- cut you to the edge. We've seen what's happened to Alabama, right? And I hope Georgia. that it doesn't. Georgia. We saw what happened with Georgia. It, there's it, and, and I, I know, I mean. It, Texas won one, and Ramon's Taylor was getting busted like two weeks later. I for mean, an it, entire it, trunk It seems like it always yeah. happens right afterwards. But, yeah, I mean, you have to. I don't know if you have to, but. I think you have There's to have a, trend a couple of guys. That you yeah. typically do have a couple of guys who maybe are a little more on the outlaw side of things or just make really stupid poor decisions, but I mean getting back to the point of this whole thing, yeah, it's been a it's been a dominant run and uh you know, I think there was some windows in time where Oklahoma, for example, could have really interrupted that and maybe changed history if they go up and they win a couple of those games they didn't win otherwise, like beating USC instead of getting whooped. Or beating LSU. If they beat LSU, that's two titles in yep. three years. And you never know what Stoops. that does. And 
I mean, who the heck knows what he was going to go and do after that? And then Texas was really right there on their heels at that point, and obviously one in 05, So OU's run led to Texas knowing they had to get better. They found the once in a lifetime quarterback, and then they were really good, and that pushed them to eliteness too. But then they lost their yeah. brands. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing too, though, is you can't. This, the SEC has bunches of brands. Um, you know, I mean, like we pointed out, five teams have won national titles. I mean, you got to be a brand to do that until you don't, because so far that's that's what it is, year in and year out. And uh, for the Big Twelve, I wonder, you know, had Oklahoma won one or Nebraska, you know, wins another one instead, like do they stick together? Does everything end up being okay? And then you're looking at a Big Twelve these days. It's got Nebraska, who's won a title in the last twenty years, and Oklahoma, who's won at least a couple of them. Texas has won couple, one. Yeah, I mean, you know, is is uh. Is is everybody sticking together? If that goes differently, maybe not. Probably not because um, the Big Ten, you know, it, it was such a desirable place for them eventually. But who knows? I mean, that well, those those losses rather than wins completely changed. I think history. just a couple of extra national titles in that time period would have made a huge difference. Espe- oh, sure, especially if it's from somebody who can tell who can who can move Texas back to the to the middle a little bit, right? Not I'm talking about in the field, but the way that. I mean, Nebraska and A&M specifically left because of Texas. So if you have somebody that can say, hey, Texas, we're we're winning titles here. We're the ones who's making the money for the league. So you need to back off on a lot of this stuff and and compromise more than that is. But they they would have. It would not have been just a steamroller. And I think we sometimes just – Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if they win, can they do that, make Texas back off and not try to act so unilaterally because – that's the, like the losing the titles isn't what broke the the league up necessarily. It's the fact that one and a half schools were running the league. Yeah, and I do think, and I and I I, I say this, and I uh, as much as there are things that UT was doing to make sure they took care of themselves, who else wouldn't have done it if they had the opportunity? I I do think that there are some things that are a little bit like shady, but at the same time. Uh, they got big, they got really, really big, and they flexed. And what about teams that ran away from that? Why not fight back and try to do something better? And they didn't do it. They ran away. Uh, Nebraska still couldn't beat Texas except the one time in 99. This is 365 Sports and Hall of Fame columnist John McClain is next. Stonewood Dental. In Robinson, Texas, Dr. Steve Childress is my dentist. I appreciate him. He's helped me understand dental hygiene and also maintenance. And maybe maintenance even more important. If you have the hygiene, you could still end up with a cavity or something that may go wrong. But at my age, turning 64 today, I've had to be very careful and more aware than ever before about playing catch-up with some dental work and then also making sure I stay ahead of the curve. Have an appointment later on in the month. It's a teeth cleaning, but I do have that slightly cracked tooth in the back right lower molar. It's okay, but I got to make sure that I'm not going to just forget about it, make sure Dr. Childress takes care of it, and he will. And whatever he does, I believe that he'll fix it for me. Stonewood Dental is incredible. From the time you call up for an appointment or they call you to the time you're there, they will remind you multiple times. And then when you're there, the staff from when you walk in the front door to when you're called back is just phenomenal. Dr. Steve Childress and Stonewood Dental in Robinson, Texas. The future's bright. The time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late-night pizza run and all-nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. 
It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. Hi, this is Paul Catalina. I recently got engaged to the love of my life, but the most important thing that I had to do before I popped the question was get that perfect ring. And I know nothing about rings. So I went to the wedding ring store, Boozer's Jewelers on Valley Mills Drive. I knew I needed a custom design, and that's exactly what they do. Nine out of ten of their engagement rings are designed in-house. The entire process took less than a month, and they were great every step of the way. Great options on financing, excellent selection, and talented designers. My fiance and I get nonstop confidence on the ring. I only deserve credit for doing the smartest thing I could, walking into boozers and letting them work their magic. Your one-of-a-kind fiancé deserves a one-of-a-kind ring, and that's what you get at Boozers. Boozers Jewelers, the wedding ring store on Valley Mills Drive. It was broad daylight. I stepped into a gas station for five minutes to grab a snack, and just like that, my car was broken into. They made out like a bandit. My laptop, my phone, everything. I called my agent to see what could be done, and he restored my faith in humanity. My claim was processed so quickly, and I was able to recover my losses. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. How did Edward Jones become one of the biggest financial service companies in the world? By not acting that way. Financial strategies, one-on-one advice, it's a big difference. And that's why Brad Wilson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, makes sense of investing. Experience the difference for yourself. Brad Wilson, 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, 254-776-4337. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Don's Humidor, your home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro, Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams, and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley. Don Schumanor in the Talwa Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. Welcome back to 365 Sports. It's time for our weekly segment with NFL Hall of Fame columnist John McClain. Brought to you by Pioneer Steel and Pipe, where customer service is their main focus. Invest in metal, steel, and pipe for large or small projects with two locations in Waco and Bryan. Family owned and operated since 1943. 
Read John's work at gallerysports.com and sportsradio610.com. Hall of Famer John McClain with us, 365 Sports. Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke, and I'm David Smoke. John, thanks for your time. So, uh, did the Texans get it right? Oh, I think without a doubt, it was the most exciting draft the Texans have ever had. This time will tell if it's the best right now. The best was in 2006, Charlie Cashley's last year general manager. Gary Kubiak's first as the coach, first pick was defensive end Mario Williams, second Miko Ryans. They got two starting offensive tackles and a tight end, and that five starters from that draft, and then a reserve that lasted a long time. But when uh, when they took C.J. Stroud, which they should have done, but they had stayed so quiet about it, the longer they stayed quiet and didn't leak anything, the more people thought they were going in another direction, and I fell for it. And uh, when they when they announced that they were drafting Stroud, 7,000 people at their celebration at a place called Miller Outdoor Theater just went crazy because everybody knew that was their biggest need. Well, then when they traded back up to the third spot with Arizona to take Will Anderson, everybody just went hysterics because they couldn't believe it. Texans have never made bold moves like that, and I told people, because nobody would realize this unless they were a dinosaur like me. There hadn't been that kind of excitement for a first-round pick in Houston since 1978 when Oilers coach Bum Phillips engineered a trade with the Buccaneers for the first pick so he could take Earl Campbell. John, how uh, quickly do they expect C.J. – do you think C.J. Stroud starts week one or is that maybe a Case Keenum thing? And how quickly do they work in some of these other guys? Well, I, I'll tell you, Will Anderson will start from day one because he was the best defensive prospect, and a lot of people had him rated as the top player on their board over Bryce Young. And once Jalen Carter's character issues surfaced and he plunged all the way to number nine, it became apparent Anderson was the top uh, prospect, defensive prospect. And so he'll start right away. And they got they got other players. I remember when they took Xavier – Hutchinson in the sixth round. I'm like, oh, I forgot about him. I watched him burn Baylor, Texas, a lot of Big 12 schools. But he didn't work out well, and he ran slow. So he was available. They traded to get his six to get him, and I think that was a great pick. C.J. Stroud, you know, he played two years. He played great. He played his best games in the last game of each season. The Rose Bowl against Utah after his redshirt freshman year. Last year, they uh, almost pulled off the big upset of Georgia. He was fabulous. And so they'll never say this, of course. But if he's not starting the first game, it'll be a shot. Because they were talking about, do they pencil in Carolina and Houston to play the first game when they, that game's scheduled for Charlotte? Well, if one, or, one of them's not starting – it'll lose its luster. So do they wait a few games in? And uh, so I think he'll start from day one. I'm kind of surprised that the Colts are talking about Anthony Richardson being thrown to the wolves after only 13 games in college because, yeah, guys need to learn on the run, but sometimes they can play so bad it destroys their confidence. And you don't want to do that to a guy who has so much natural ability but it's sure going to be fun in the AFC South because 
strides would start right away. Anthony Richardson probably going to start right away. And Will Levis, he won't start right away because they have Ryan Tannehill, but he'll be gone after this season. So I'm guessing somewhere over the last nine or ten games we'll see Levis and we'll watch them um, see who's done the best job and who put, does the best puts the best team around them and does the best job of coaching them. But it's weird. Trevor Lawrence has been in the league two years and he'll be the senior starting quarterback in this division. John, uh, any particular impressions uh, gathered just seeing the way that D'Amico Ryan's new staff, new faces operated? And and along those lines, I mean, having heard the press conferences and things at this point, does it feel like there's a, a rejuvenation? Does it feel like there's, there's some fresh sheets, some clean sheets, and there's this this chapter that's that's beginning down in Houston now? Absolutely, Craig. I'm writing a column for gallerysports.com uh, for tomorrow about Hannah and Cal McNair, the owners, and how excited they are because right now with this draft, started with D'Amico, but with this draft taking care of their four biggest needs with their first four picks, starting quarterback, and then edge rusher, they turn the corner. Now, it seems like so long since they've been good, but in in uh, January 2020, they beat the Bills in a wild card game here. So they've had three bad years because they told Casario, tear it down and rebuild it. And they're not going to compete for the playoffs this year, but if they could double their win total and get six, people would be really happy. They played the NFC South uh, this year after playing last season. They played the NFC East and the AFC West, and it was tough. The schedule shouldn't be as difficult this year. And uh, so I'm writing this column from the the last snap of the 2020 season. It was like two days later that Sean Watson's agent told him he wanted to be traded. And the reason was Jack Easterby was the interim GM, and guys like him and J.J. Watt were worried that Easterby might become GM and make him even worse. So from that moment when he wanted out through all the controversy off the field and the lawsuits and the trade and the losing and the firing of David Culley and Lovey Smith and then hiring Ryan and uh, having this draft, it looks like if they haven't turned a the corner, they're at least peeking around it. I know that there were a lot of other picks as well, but one that, that put a smile on my face, and I know it put a smile on his face as well, was the the local guy there in uh, Tank Dell, Nathaniel Dell, who's a Florida guy originally, uh, but made his way to U of H. Uh, I saw that, you know, as everybody's probably seen the DM that he sent to the, to the social media team, like, don't let me leave or whatever it said. Uh, how, how, excited is, how excited are people to see him sticking around the city of Houston? Well, you know, Craig, if you are 5'8 and 166 and your name is Tank, <laughs> then uh, people are going to love you. And he scored more touchdowns than anybody in college football the last two years. He's a slot receiver. He's a great return guy. He's, he's quick as a gnat. And uh, people here love him. And he's a great quote. And he had one quote. Somebody said, he's, they said, well, watching the tape of you uh, – tank last season you're explosive he said i'm so explosive explosive ought to be my my nickname and uh he just has one great quote after another i did a column on him at the combine about how much he'd like to stay in houston he started at a at uh, one of the swag schools i think then went to junior college 
then came to Houston when nobody wanted him, and he was a tremendous player for Dana Hogerson, and fans here are really excited. And besides Xavier Hutchinson, who I mentioned from Iowa State, there's another Henry Potoa from Alabama, uh, their leading tackler. I watched a lot of Alabama games this year because I wanted to see Bryce Young because I thought the Texans had a chance to get him. Well, every time I'm watching them and I'm like typing and I look up and I hear the name Henry Totoa and I look at the spelling and I'm going, man, I hope I don't have to spell his name because <laughs> there's, there's four O's and two apostrophes. And sure enough, they drafted him. He was projected to go in the third round. They got him in the fifth round. D'Amico Ryan, when he was defensive coordinator of the 49ers, they had lighter linebackers who could run like crazy, and that's Totoa. And uh, so it won't surprise me at all if he doesn't start a rookie right next to Christian Harris, the third-round pick from Alabama last year, and uh, people couldn't be happier with that pick as well. John, you gave the Cowboys a C-plus in your in your report card. Why? Uh, Mozzie, I thought they were – Mozzie Smith, to me, was a second-round player, and they got him at the bottom of the first round, and I understand that. I thought the highlight of the Cowboys draft to me was when uh, Duzman's dad, when they drafted him and that, saw that video of him crying and everybody cheering for him and pounding him on the back. And then they, and then they let, they let him go and call his son. And, you know, we saw Deuce just kill uh, Baylor. We saw him, we saw Deuce kill a lot of people. And, uh, I think he reminds me so much of Darren Sproles. And uh, anyway, I thought this Deuce Vaughn was a great value pick. You put him in space. You throw him the ball out there. You don't need to let him run through the through the, the middle. I think he's going to be a terrific player for them. And then and the, and the tight end, uh, what's his name, Schumacher. Yeah, he was, was a great – in another year he might have been – a higher pick. The Marvin Overshone in the third round, I thought that was a little high. But anyway, that's why I gave him a C plus. John McClain, gallerysports.com, 610 Sports Radio with us on 365 Sports. Is there any question that Caleb Williams right now is the favorite to go one next year? He is, and Drake May from North Carolina, they're the two best. You never can tell what's going to happen with those guys. He's fortunate because he's playing with Lincoln Riley, and everybody loves him. And he won the Heisman, so he'll be under a lot of pressure. John, the uh, what do you think about the Astros dealing with some injuries right now? Oh my goodness, Paul! They lose Jose Arquiti, a pitcher who pitched really well, and then he went on the injured list with a shoulder problem. And then Luis Garcia he pitched great his last two outings, threw eight pitches, felt a problem in his elbow, and he's gone on the 15-day IL. And so anytime it's an elbow, you worry about Tommy John. And so they haven't said anything else about it. They're having to bring up minor leaguers. They're lucky that Fromber Valdez, their ace, is pitching well. Christian Javier is not dominant like he was at the end of last year in the playoffs, but people think he will be. And then Hunter Brown, who still is technically a rookie, even though he pitched a lot in the playoffs and everything, he's 3-0. and Last three outings, he's pitched great. But they didn't replace the depth. And Dusty Baker had a quote, talked about he wanted to acquire some veteran depth 
but they didn't have a general manager. It was a long time between they hired James when James Click turned down a one-year extension, and they hired Dana Brown from Atlanta. And I kind of think that's an excuse, but boy, you you they're going to have to make deals for somebody because Lance McCullers is still not ready. So they really they have three starting pitchers who are injured, and that's not good. John, what were your thoughts on the Falcons grabbing Bijan at number eight overall? Well, Craig, that's one of the few I got right. And uh, I think that they're going to be playing throwback football because Tyler Algier, he had a barely over a 1,000 yards last year, which was good because he didn't start right away. And you guys know you need two. Well, Robinson's such a great receiver. They'd be foolish not to use him in that capacity. So I imagine Arthur Smith is pretty creative as an offensive coach that we will see instances where they're both in the backfield and then Robinson will shift into the slot or he'll go in motion or he'll come out of the huddle playing wide receiver. And I haven't seen a linebacker who can cover him. So they're going to run the ball a lot. They're going to throw to Robinson. I thought the pick they made, and I didn't understand Detroit taking Jameer Gibbs when they did, but then when they traded DeAndre Swift going into last year's contract, and they didn't want to pay, re-sign him, trade him to Philadelphia. Then the Gibbs pick made more sense. They, uh, they, uh, Jamal Williams scored 17 touchdowns for him last year. He went to New Orleans, and DeAndre Swift scored eight. He was he was traded to Philly. So they 20, 25 touchdowns that they had last year are gone. So and they scored a lot, but Jameer Gibbs is like Bijan Robinson. He's going to get the ball in a lot of different ways. Be very the offensive coordinator there can be very creative. John, the uh the atmosphere in Kansas City seemed to be electric and I know that it's been electric in a lot of different places, but did that seem to be about as good as you've seen in a long time? Well what I didn't like about it, you had the big stage and then you had a monstrous crowd there and then you had a monster crowd that wasn't even close to yeah. the stage. And that just seemed kind of a weird, a weird spot. The best one I've seen yet was in Nashville because they closed down their major artery of Broadway. They put a monster stage there and they had, I remember uh, all along Broadway, our restaurants and clubs with rooftop bars. So you had like, you know, hundreds of people in rooftop bars hanging off of the different levels of the clubs and restaurants. And then they said they had like 500,000 people there. But you're also really close to places where you can park and go to the bathroom. I always wonder, when you're in the middle of those crowds and you're drinking beer, what do you do when you go to the bathroom? <laughs> it's a good question. I wonder that every time I see those monster crowds. Yeah, I, 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 I think you better not, you know, be too far away from somewhere where you can go. John, I don't think you should ask questions you don't want the answer to. <laughs> I think you do like that golden retriever puppy. What that puppy did on Daniel Jeremiah's suit. <laughs> oh yeah, John. Thank you so much. We appreciate your time as always, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Go, John McLean, Hall of Fame columnist, with us. GalleriesSports dot com, Houston six ten, and many other segments he does throughout the country. We appreciate his time with us on Tuesdays. Hope you've enjoyed the show up until this point. Some of you love the top five. In fact, probably all of you do. And Paul Catalina's top five is next. And this is 365 Sports. 
There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone-in ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef and chicken fajitas and always large briskets available plus fresh vegetables so the great product customer service and family tradition of the bauer family continues at waco custom marketplace open monday through saturday a full service butcher shop and bakery available waco custom marketplace 425 lake air drive in waco or waco custom marketplace.com Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive, North 19th Street, right behind the bank, is a hidden gem in Waco. If you're a fan of bourbon, especially local Texas bourbons, that's where you gotta go. Balcones, TX, Devil's River, whatever it is, they've got it. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, plus the best selection of craft beers in Waco, seasonally churned out throughout the year. Whether it's spring, summer, fall, or winter, Riverbend Liquor and Wine, best selection of craft beers, a speedy drive-thru window, an excellent customer service. Find out more on Instagram or just go by and see them. Lakeshore Drive at North 19th Street behind the bank. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDI see an equal housing lender. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5, brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. All right, top five reasons this is the worst time to negotiate a TV deal. And really only one of these, I think, is the Pac-12's fault. 
which, you know, to give them a little bit of a break here. Now, look, they didn't see the signs coming as where other people did, but you know, this this is these things are are kind of out of their control. Number 5, larger properties have deals coming up too, particularly, and thanks for this logo here, the NBA deal is coming up. And ESPN is very involved in that. And a lot of a lot of other properties will be very involved in that. And given the way the economics are going, you can see where that would be their larger focus and that if they have to give more money to the NBA and they're losing money other places, then it's got to come from somewhere, right? Yeah. So this is, while it's probably not the biggest thing hurting them or it's not hurting them as much as you could make it hurt them if you really extrapolate it out, it's just not good timing in that the NBA deal is coming up soon. They are going to negotiate that this, the NBA TV deal is not going to be something that's negotiated at the 11th hour like this deal is. So they're having to navigate that as the NBA does that. You know, there's, you know Notre Dame and NBC is a, a thing we talked about yesterday. So there are other things coming up, and you are just not as attractive as they are, but that's not your fault. You wouldn't be as attractive as the NBA was, even if the league was still in its current construction, in its previous construction. Yeah, I mean they're the they're the big baddie on the block that's uh, right around the corner. About this time, a little after this time next year, they'll be or have will have finished their negotiating window, the exclusive window uh, with Turner and also with ESPN. But there's talk about you know having a third package, and there's talk about them being viewed in any number of ways. I think it's going to be something that's. I mean, it's already in the billions, but it's going to be just add some more billions to it, and it's going to be in like the closing in on the twenties of billions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when all is said and probably done, and uh, can be corrected there if I'm wrong, because I think they're like seventeen, or maybe they're looking. Anyway, they're going to be like in the twenties of billions, most likely with this new deal, and all over the place from the sounds of it, streaming everything. So. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a fascinating deal to see negotiated and to see what they end up with on the other side because the demand is super high. It's really weird, too, because the, the regular season means absolutely nothing in so many ways. Like, as far as just flipping on a game, none of them feel like they're all that important unless you're a fan of those teams or you're a fan of the players and the matchup itself. But it, I, I don't view it as, like, every oh. Sunday – and that's probably well, because there's games every night, and there's you know, well, load management alone tells the well, team has a lot to do with it. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's why it, that's what makes the NBA unique, and maybe makes you go, oh, now you're going to play hard. Yeah, it doesn't mean they're not doing that during the year, but the load management, uh, which is the Spurs, almost like started that. And that's their fault. Yeah, and for all intents and purposes, when it's they had Parker and Ginobili and Duncan or whatever. But, oh, now you're going to play your hardest. And I get it because you're playing for a championship. But I do think that that – but the ratings of that Warriors and Sacramento game, the Warriors, uh, that, that right there, they, it, it's, they're going to get what they want. The NBA will. Yeah, I get it. It's just funny that they, uh, they very clearly do not put 100% effort into that regular season, which is the biggest bulk of their season. But it doesn't matter because people still tune in regardless. And, they're, yeah, they're a huge brand, so that they're going to be making so much money here yeah. in the next year, but yeah. a little bit more of a wait. And getting bigger in the in the social media era where mm-hmm. it's the league where you can really know the players the most. It has so. a lot to do with it. Yeah. I think that that's why it overcomes any other deficiencies is because of reasons like that. Yeah. yeah. Number four, the RSNs are collapsing. Bally Sports collapsing and not being able to pay pay NBA teams and pay 
MLB teams for that is not good news for the Pac-12. They weren't really going to be on any of these RSNs necessarily, um, other than like picking up games here and there. But like they weren't going to be on those. But they this now creates a scramble one for so say you're trying to buy, you know, you're in Arizona and your local stations are trying to buy the rights for the Diamondbacks now or the Suns or all that stuff. So this is more money that's going to not you because it's created a rush on some of these things because now Bally, Bally's not going to be able to pay these. Like the Rangers, I'm very curious to see where they wind up because Bally's not going to be able to pay these people. They keep pushing the deadline and all these different things and declaring Chapter 11 and all that stuff. Major League Baseball is not going to care. I do at think the end of that, it. that they owed the Rangers a ton of money. The, the Rangers Network, which is uh, on Bally's Fox Sports Southwest, they – Bally's. Bally's Southwest. Fox That's right. They had to make a payment, and they did. I think they're doing that, but I, again, I don't know if that's going to last another I, month I, or two. I yeah. mean, if they have to keep doing this and like, well, there's a reason know, why they're going bankrupt. If they're, or if whatever, they're riding yeah. the edge, then it just eventually, Major League Baseball is going to do something else with that, and that's going to affect your total media dollars in your market. Yeah, I want to go back and mention uh, talking about the NBA. Their their deal they're on now is twenty four billion dollars. So twenties of billions, they'll be let's just say bond that add, yeah. add ten to it. But I yeah, I had I. I had 17 in my mind for some reason, but no, they're already yeah. at 24, add, and they're about to get to launch the new one. Yeah, add 10. Yeah, let's at, le- go, at least. Let's yeah. go ahead and add 10, but just as a starting point. And you know the NFL's is like $100 billion? Yeah, That's exactly. crazy. Yeah. Number three, big companies putting out other fires. ESPN, Fox Sports. <coughs> Golly, this happened to me a lot today. <laughs> Fox Sports, yeah. uh, big companies putting out other fires. Thank you, Craig. Uh, putting out other fires. Look, right now, this has nothing to do with anything the Pac-12 has other than the fact that I'm getting choked up. I'm just emotional because so Is it because so of my old. birthday? It is. I, you're 64, and I can't believe it. Or there's an unknown right. allergen in that cookie cake. Yeah, something like that. Of. Where's but, Raymond? Yeah, yeah, where's <laughs> Raymond when you need him? But, look, the writers just went on strike yesterday. So the big presidents of... These companies like Disney and Fox are going to have to go to the negotiating table and deal with that, too. So there's a lot of things going on. Again, the writers going on strike is not the Pac-12's fault. Not at all. But it's a thing that's happening around them that while they're trying to negotiate their deal, they're probably not getting the full attention that, say, the Big Ten or even the Big 12 got. Yeah, and there is also just the forecasts. um, You know, I'm talking more globally. um, recently about the lack of growth we're probably going to see across the board in terms of business and things like that and profits and and just everything like i i know that the big businesses will still make all of their greedy little profits but like just worldwide we're we're starting to see a slowdown so yeah just like the timing of that as well on top of it and then the struggles that are already going on in hollywood and yes it's a lot there's a lot of things adding up yeah it's it's funny that the um one side of that writer strike, the big studios are saying, look, streaming's not, we're losing money on it. And the writers are saying, look, that's not our fault that you're losing money. You paid us to write these things. You do need we, to keep pay us. Do we not remember like two years ago, especially during the pandemic, like everybody's sitting at home and they're just launching studio stuff. They're yeah. throwing millions of dollars at like everything known to man. And then here we are a couple years later and they're like, we spent all that money on you. It's like, well, you were the ones that kind of started the whole thing, actually. But. Yeah. 
the the way the best way I saw it put by a writer was is that they want to pay writers to do things they may not produce, and they want to pay them less for it. And what there's what he said was, look, if you go into a deli and order a sandwich, and you say, how much is the turkey sandwich? And they say it's ten dollars, and then you say, how much if I don't eat it? Well, so it doesn't matter if you don't eat it or not. I already right. made the sandwich. Here's the materials. That's what they're trying to, you know, the writers are trying to make sure that if they write something, they get paid the same for it, no matter if they wind up getting produced or not. Yeah. They're trying to get the same rate. Number two, streaming probability is up for a debate. I mean, it really is. I mean, nobody, you know, look, Prime's doing well. Apple's doing well because they always do. And, but Peacock's not doing great. Peacock's going to lose $6 billion this year. Lose it. And, you know, somebody's going to get a big bonus there and other people are going to get fired, but that's how things seem to work. ESPN hasn't figured it out yet. Nobody's really figured out this world yet. So if you're going to the streaming world and you're saying, yes, we're going to do this, you better wind up with somebody who doesn't care that you're probably going to lose their money. Did I? Kim Coulter brought this up, and I did see a slight increase. Is ESPN increasing their streaming costs, ESPN Plus? Did anyone else get that bill? Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm even active on that one right now because I might just have like the regular Hulu or something at the moment. Okay. Yeah, or it just charges it, so I, I don't know. But I, it does feel like everybody's like ticking up a buck or two. Yeah. I will say on that, though, they just in their last round of cuts fired the main brain behind ESPN+. Plus. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it'd be kind of weird to fire that guy and then tick up the charges. But then again, that's that's America, so it wouldn't be all that weird. Yeah. $6.99 was your idea, Doug, yeah, you know, like, uh, you're done. I don't know. It, now, because of your mistake, we have to charge the American people even more money for yeah. this monthly subscription. How whatever. dare yeah. you? Yeah. And number one, and this one is kind of their fault, uh, but the L.A. market is not yours anymore, and guess what? It's never going to be again. Like, that's, that's the other part of it. I think they may know part A of what I just said. They know that L.A. is not theirs anymore. I don't think the Pac-12 knows that it's never going to be theirs again. Ever. 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 It's not yours. Never say ever, never. But, but but yeah. I mean, it's not like, for the foreseeable future, while most of us in this room are probably alive, the Pac-12 is not going to have the college football, college athletics market that in Los Angeles anymore. Of whatever it was in the first place. Yes. Right, yeah. Whatever uh, they had there before that was whatever the draw was for the networks to give it to them before is gone, and it's not coming back. By the way, back on the subscription, uh, Kealani, they're growing their subscription base, ESPN. Losing money is due to how much they're investing in the back-end infrastructure. So there's where some of the money yeah. is going to help perhaps make it even bigger, better, faster, stronger. Yeah, I mean, and I've heard some of that the last couple of years, but, you know, there does come a point where you're just burning it and you, you wonder when that time is to start to recoup some of that. Because, yeah, some of these are just initially launching and or correcting your mistakes of you threw hundreds of millions of dollars at a bunch of just in-studio, in-house films that right. didn't do nearly as well as you thought. And so you just set all that on fire, basically. And they're trying to now learn yeah. from that and go like, oh, we're not going to do that as much. So... But you're right, yeah, investment, you got to spend money to make money, right? And that there is some of that going on. Am I going to watch a movie on Netflix in 2020 when there's no sports on and nothing else that I would probably not watch now? Yes. Right. But yeah. when you make the sequel to that movie that was very popular in the time where I wasn't allowed to leave, am I going to watch it? No, because I can leave now. 
Right. Yeah. Like that you that movie was not the reason I stayed home. That movie was on because I was made to stay at home. Now that I cannot be at home, that movie can just be there. Yeah. No, I mean that's that's true. Yeah. I mean I, I definitely have watched far less of everything and anything compared to to that time period when Netflix was I I would assume at its absolute most boom period imaginable because when else are they going to have that many people sitting at home like you said and as far as the la market i mean they'll still have some share of it you know because there are a lot of transplants and things like that but no you don't you don't have the actual the flagships there anymore the flagships are relocating um you know or changing the signs out front so yeah uh, you know, however much they had of that in the first place, they'll still maintain some of it. But as far as that being their actual footprint, no, it doesn't it doesn't count anymore. And that is a tough blow, no matter how you slice yeah, it. Yeah, I think part of it, like, there's probably a lot of people like, oh, we have lots of alums in L.A. Yeah, but your school's you not there. You don't own it. Yeah, yeah your school's not there. Yeah. Like, yes, Colorado, you might have tons of alums in L.A., but your school's in Colorado. There's lots of pro sports in L.A., and that's what most people yeah. care about. You're right, but in college sports terms, <laughs> the schools are in Los Angeles. I would still yeah. like to know what the needle was, the number was. It's a pro sports town, despite having, obviously, USC and UCLA. I wonder what the number was when it comes to what USC was drawing in L.A. market. Oh, How much, obviously, we saw the Notre Dame game with USC was a big number at six-plus million, but how much of that was L.A.-based? As far as a, a city that's very busy, there's always something big going on, like five different things, and how much of that was from the L.A. market? I don't have that answer. I, I would be interested to be able to get that one day. Well, it sounds like you got homework tonight, I so do. enjoy I that. Like, um, one, i got to make sure your, your allergies birthday. are fine and you yeah. can cough. Yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's my birthday. I'm not doing homework. Okay. All right. Thank you, Emery. Thank you, Jack McKenzie's back from New York. Uh, Garrett is here. And uh, Craig Smoke, thank you, son, for the uh, incredible birthday cake and the card. I appreciate it. Paul, thank you for the hoodie. You and Amanda, thank you for the best wishes and well wishes and all that other good stuff on the chat room. You guys have been amazing today. I'm David Smoke. Thank you. We appreciate every second you spend with us. 365 Sports, and good night. Idea